called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle Cast, welcome to the official Bizzle Cast slash Awkward Controllers E3 2019 Roundup Rodeo Recap Retrospective Rhapsody Recourse Recap Something E3 2019. Ethan, welcome. Hello. So uh, this th- this didn't happen as quickly as I wanted, but I'm glad we waited for my own sanity and clarity of mind. And you were right to wait to think about all these things. And we're actually getting on top of it faster than I thought. Um, I didn't think I was going to be available today. Uh, guys, just for uh, the sake of temporal consistency, it is Friday, June 14th. Uh, this will come out Saturday the 15th, probably. The conference, Ethan, I believe, was officially the 7th to the 13th. The giant big Xbox stage that launched a lot of this stuff was Sunday the 9th. Um, but like all these big conferences, whether it's video games or nerd things like Star Wars or Comic-Con, there's always like a big buildup. And then there's the event. And then there's the immediate reaction to the event, which I had a negative one. And then you have time to think about it some more and research things some more. And then you'd like the secondary roundup, right? And then there's the tertiary or, or final one, which won't end until you know, cyberpunk comes out next April, basically. Right. There's sort of this stages of like mentally dealing with, let's be honest, an insane amount of information. So before I give a little bit of a confessional here, after putting Ethan through some unneeded stress about this whole thing, uh, media takeaways, big pictures, we're going to get into EA, Xbox, Ubisoft, Bethesda, Nintendo switch, of course. Uh, but overall takeaways, Ethan, if you could sum up your, your general state of mind, about this you know as it was going on a few days ago and now um has it changed much like mine because i got my head straight or has it been pretty consistent i think uh i think since e3 ended yesterday uh i think uh we had all the major announcements and uh what was it two days ago three days ago with uh yeah, two or three days ago, ending with Nintendo. Uh, that was the last of the major announcements, and uh, I. It's still quite. It's. I mean, some of the announcements are still like. I'm just like, holy shit! I can't believe that was announced. Um, some other things, I'm like, well, where the hell is this? Uh, but the information, I think, I think is kind of is wrapping up here. Um, I felt the C three uh, was uh, just before we get into it. I felt the C three was. It was a, it was a mixed bag. It was very good in some aspects, and it was very disappointing in others. Mm. Uh, but overall, another great year, another great time to be hearing about a billion video games coming out in September because that's how many video games are coming out in September. Yeah, I think um, that the products, everything we've learned leading up to it, during it, and now since it, and going forward is superior by far to the event. And this is where my confessional comes in, Ethan, which is, you know, before I went to Star Wars Celebration 
in April. I had never gone to a Comic-Con. I never thought I'd go to one. I don't like big crowds, big events, and big hype. But you know, I'm like a massive, massive, you know, like Star Wars Homer, like to the nth degree. And it was in Chicago this year, not in fucking Disneyland or Disney World, which I don't want to get in the air. It was in Chicago. Uh, it was my dad's family city, a place I'm very familiar with, very comfortable with. And it ended up being the biggest and the best in an unbelievable amount of positivity. But Ethan, I didn't learn my own lessons from Star Wars Celebration because the reasons I went to Star Wars Celebration were not to go to the big panels, which I knew I wasn't going to get into because I didn't have the full pass and all that stuff. And I would still watch the trailer with people, but not live and, you know, you know, be a hundred feet from Daisy Ridley. Like that really matters to me, which it doesn't. And it wasn't even for the big announcements in the trailers because you can watch all that online afterwards. With Celebration, I went into it wanting to get the general pulse of the Star Wars fan base with all the ups and downs the last couple of years. I've been super positive about really everything and trying to encourage people to stay positive and it ended up being even more positive across the board despite diversity of opinion about movies and this and that and blah blah blah. It was like like just an unbelievably giant fountain of positivity excitement enthusiasm. People who weren't excited about The Mandalorian are now super into it. People who were really uh, unsure about episode 9 because of episode 8 or episode 7 or both are, are super excited after the big trailer reveal. I mean, even though there were technical problems, like if you were there, the presentation was unbelievable. And I didn't learn my own lesson, man, which was that it's not about the big showy stuff. And you would think someone like me, who comes from the music and entertainment business and who does a podcast about movies and television and video games and stuff, you'd think I would be able to tolerate these two things, award shows and giant hype conferences. But my tolerance for both award shows and giant hype conferences goes down, down, down over the years to the point where it's becoming deleterious to my analytical skills because I'm so turned off by the asshole, hypocritical pieces of shit on stage half the time. And then I'm ignoring the actual information that's coming out either on stage or slightly off stage or totally off stage around the event. Um, and so you very wisely suggested we wait to do this. And while I still think the pieces of shit are pieces of shit, I'm going to hold off on that for now. And the hypocrisy and the hype it is just it's sopping wet full of, of, of just just ass um when you get past all that and you really look at the properties that you're into and you look at the slate ethan in this final year to year and a half of this generation of the consoles which is ramping up big time and we were talking about it earlier today we, we probably named like two dozen things earlier today in like 15 minutes and I was like, oh my God, this, uh, some of this came out in the last couple of weeks or we learned more about it. You know what I mean? Like I, I was the, the classic, I, I was missing the forest for the trees uh, thing with this whole thing. And so when I could sit back and not have to think about Todd Howard and not have to think about, you know, um, um, uh, what's his name at Borderlands or whatever, you know, and just the, just the stagecraft of the the whole nonsense of it, because I've been there on the music side of things and to somewhat degree with the film side of things, you know, and then the bullshit that goes on, even with people who you respect or, or you think you respect or so forth. So I let all that get in the way. Why I have that uh, uh, more open-minded and rational, sane thing about Star Wars, which is something I should be in 
insane about. I don't know. Um, video games, which is such lower on my just like personal list. I mean, obviously, it's high on my list in terms of I, I love video games and talking with you about them. But you know what I mean? In terms of like loves of my life, yeah. it, you would think Star Wars would be the thing I'm totally irrational about. But I'm, I, you know, I buy into the golden goddess Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm regime a thousand percent from the beginning. So that helps the video game industry. E- Ethan, I think I'm being, I, I know I'm, this is a long intro, but I had to get this off my chest and, and do the confessional, which is, you know, all of the reporting that Schreier's done and now the stuff around Schreier about how employees are treated and the hypocrisy of the whole thing and you're firing everybody and then you're hiring Keanu Reeves or, you know what I mean? And Activision's firing people here and hiring people there. Really left a sour taste in my mouth. But when you look at the games and guys, I'm going to let Ethan respond to all this um, in his Yoda-esque way. Uh, when you look at all the games that we started talking about earlier today leading up to this podcast, I was like, wow. I thought this generation was going to go out with a whimper and it is going to go out with at least an attempted bang. And so we are going to try and to, even if we talk about bigger issues, uh, just structure it around the announcements somewhat chronologically around the games. There's your table of contents, guys, roughly. Um, But did you understand where I'm coming from in terms of, you know, like I've been in various parts of this entertainment, you know, horse and pony show for so long. I'm just so jaded by the show that but I need to like sit back and just like analyze the facts and then everything starts making more sense and looking much better. Games video, young Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's impossible. <laughs> and that is why you fail. Ah, but Yoda was wrong about not confronting Vader. It's an endlessly interesting topic, which we are not talking about here. Star Wars, spoiler alert, guys, we are not going to talk about Jedi Fallen Order because I am not excited about the game, and that was one of the least impressive things. Maybe if it comes up, I guess, in the EA early on, ETH as part of your uh, EA thing leading into Xbox, we, we can talk about it briefly, but um, I, I know myself, Star Wars fans, Jim Sterling and others, were, were not particularly impressed about that. So, um, yeah, instead of making you react to that, why don't we start talking about all this fucking stuff that's starting to look really, really fucking good wherever you're sitting. Um, and I, you propose doing it somewhat chronologically just because of all the information, all the showcases, if, if I'm correct. So you wanted to yeah. start with Electronic Arts leading into the giant Xbox, and the Xbox will open all sorts of cans of worms that we want opened, but, but it'll be nice to start with something I, smaller, quote-unquote, like Electronic Arts. So go ahead. Yeah, so let's just get EA out of the way. I think we actually did EA first last year, too. Um, they seem to be first every year. I don't know why. But anyway, um, so EA showed up, or rather, they had their own little side event right next to the convention center. Uh, because why would you pay a lot of money so you could just host your own event, and then it's a lot cheaper and, I don't know, whatever. So they had their own event. Uh, they showed off a couple things. Uh, like six or seven or something like that. Um, of course, it's EA, so it was all terrible, uh, with the exception of Jedi Fallen Order and uh, other cool suite of announcements. Um, just quickly before we talk about Jedi Fallen Order, um, they made some announcements about Apex Legends, so it seems like they're trying to recommit into making that one of their popular BR games. That's great if they can sustain that and mm. make... Apex Legends a good game, I'm all for it. Right, keep keep it popular, keep people interested in it. 
that's fine. I think Apex Legends is the best VR on on the field right now, and I would surely love to see it uh, keep thriving, especially since Respawn is uh, developing it and continues to work on it. And I would love to see Respawn uh, in the event that Jedi Fallen Order sucks, uh, still have something to be relevant uh, with. That way, the EA doesn't dismantle them immediately. So, so really quickly uh, about that, Ethan. So here's the beginning of me misinterpreting the situation, which was I said, "Oh, Respawn overperformed doing the Titanfall games and so forth. Was bought by EA for an insane amount of money. Killed it with Apex Legends around the time when Anthem totally bombed, which was supposed to be their main project." And my narrative in my head was, oh, this now they're rewarding Respawn by giving them the Star Wars property, and they're going to save the Star Wars property, even though it's a kind of game they've never done before. But then after seeing lackluster trailers and Apex continuing to be so popular and good, now in my head the narrative, which I think is more correct, is they threw Respawn the Star Wars property because they knew they only had one last shot at it, and they figured, what studio do we have the best chance of making an okay game? with the Star Wars property because we're probably going to lose it no matter what unless it's like game of the year because Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger are breathing down our necks into Battlefront 2 and even before then man and what you just said to follow up on that which triggered me which is the disappointing thing about Fallen Order is that it's going to be incredibly incredibly a 7.9 <laughs> game <laughs> yeah it, it, that's really what it's shaping up to be yeah, it's not going to be terrible just, just, just just, just to peer out the camera a little more there, right? They couldn't give the they couldn't give the license for for a single player or a story driven game. They couldn't give the license to Bioware because Bioware was stuck making Andromeda and Anthem, and um, nobody else was available. None of their other studios are good at making single player games, so they handed it to Respawn because Respawn was the only other studio that was open and probably going to do the best job. So, good analysis from your point. Other than um, Infinity Ward, I suppose. Yeah, but they don't have they don't own them. Not Infinity Ward. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm thinking of the dead, uh, deceased one who tried to do, uh, Insomniac. Who they who they killed? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but as soon as they close out a studio, it's gone forever. So I mean, the, 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 uh, the sad but I think real reality here is that if they don't kill Respawn unnecessarily, semi by accident by throwing them a Star Wars property, this will be a giant victory for Respawn and everybody else, regardless of how mediocre the Star Wars game is. Listen, it, if this game turns out great, like I'm all for it. Right? It doesn't matter who it's made by. Doesn't matter who it's good for. It's a good game. It's a good game. I know. So, I saw screenshots of, of lightsaber fighting from uh, the clips they showed us compared to Jedi Knight, uh, Jedi Academy, which came out like 20 years ago, and it, it already doesn't look as good. And it's, you know, I mean, Force Unleashed was so over the top, they could never put that in canon because Sam Witwer's character Starkiller literally force uh, uh, controls a Star Destroyer to crash into a planet. That's how Force Strong he is. You know, uh, uh, you could never make that work with Darth Vader and, and Rogue One, for example, yeah. in canon. 
And so they're limited on what they can do. And they're saying no blasters. And I'm like, well, the thing is, if you look at Star Wars Rebels and Rogue One and all the literature that takes place between the prequels and the original trilogy, like Jedi's had to be like underground, you know, like Kanan from Star Wars Rebels. Like they had to have blasters and hide their lightsabers half the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't even make sense. They're framing it around fighting the Inquisitors. And guys, I swear this will be the only Star Wars talk. And again, I have a bizarre insight into uh, the the property part of this with Star Wars, not necessarily the video game side of things, but it, it did nothing to wow me. Um, I, I found myself drifting off, and it was funny. I watched Jim Sterling's video, and normally I watch this video. I sometimes agree, sometimes disagree strongly one way or the other. It's entertaining, whatever. But him, him just getting bored watching it with the viewer was like exactly my reaction to watching it as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess what I was trying to get to, Ben, is I almost wish it was bad so that it would definitively discount EA from doing any more Star Wars properties. I'm worried it will be just good enough and sell just enough to give them another shot and, and respond because they're so fucking professional are going to do the best they can with what they got. But one has to wonder of how many people are at respawn and what the division of labor is between, between apex and, and Jedi fallen order at this point. Right, man. Yeah. I, who knows? Like, who knows? Like this is the way EA cycles work. If it's a studio that continues to print money, it stays alive. If it will cost too much money, there it goes. Yep. Uh, it's the way it is. Um, so that's pretty much EA wrapped up. I mean, we, we talked about, uh, we did talk about uh, Jedi, more of our thoughts on Jedi in the last quickie that we did. Uh, so quick quick, quick question. More of our thoughts. Quick question. Is there any chance that they just shut down Anthem and publicly apologize? I mean... So that that was one of the other things I wanted to point out yeah. real fast before we moved on was they didn't... They, didn't, they had nothing for Anthem at this event. Um, yeah, for better or worse, so Bethesda, which what, we'll get to, tried to resell Fallout 76. Nothing about Anthem from EA. Well, and, and so there's a couple things. One, Fallout 76 is nearly com- coming up on its coming up on a year old. That's the first thing. It's it's much further along in its live service redevelopment than uh, Anthem is. Anthem is remember it's it was February, so it's four months old. Four months since they've launched the game, so it, it there's one of two things happening. One, they are quietly trying to kill the game as quickly as possible while still holding up their end of the bargain, so they don't legally get in trouble. And or B, they are very quietly but very efficiently working as fast as possible to get the game into a, a playable state. They, those are the there are only two scenarios there, and I I believe they are in the latter scenario where uh, they're working very hard to get that game into shape. Um, there's there's rumors that they took staff off. <clears throat> there's rumors about this and that. But taking staff off of a live service game after it launches is not too uncommon. Yep. That's actually fairly common among every single live service game, least all the popular ones that we've seen. Yep. Uh, major example being uh, Destiny, for example. They took... So many, they, like they, they, what Destiny does is they have a live team, and then they have the team that's working on the big expansions in the background for seven months before the next expansion, big expansion comes out. Right? 
Uh, and the live team is a very small portion of the studio in comparison to what the group that is working on the new content. And so that's not too uncommon that the, the live team or whatever team is working on the here and now stuff for the game is very small. So I, I, I do believe they're trying to fix that game. And I think EA realizes that if they fix the game, people will come back. People will spend money on microtransactions. So I think they're going to I think they're reinvesting into the game. and going to try to make it better. Um, and it, that's an excellent point. Because if you compare it to Bethesda, we think of Bethesda as a giant. And Ethan, you know, I think sometimes sometimes I try and, and have us talk to the common person a little bit and we go too far in the other direction. And sometimes we're just in our own heady space of, you know, video game, video game, video game, talking about, thinking about, playing all the time, blah, blah, blah. But it's not clear to people um maybe you could sum up in a few sentences the difference between bethesda softworks or whatever it's called the publisher and bethesda the development game studio underneath that which is not the only studio underneath the giant bethesda publishing uh giant and then, and then add, add in Zenimax to that. Right, because. so Zenimax is really the company that owns, money-wise, everything, but they still right. use the Bethesda name. But as we're going to talk about, the, the biggest successes with Bethesda were with, with id Software and continue to be with things not developed by Bethesda. Published by Bethesda, yes, like Doom, but made by Bethesda, no. Yeah. Um, but, but, but I guess what I'm saying is to do to, or... to, to, no. I just wanted to uh, tie it into your anthem point, which is oh, okay. EA can cancel it tomorrow. EA can reboot the whole thing tomorrow. EA can do something in the middle, which is what you're saying. But it's such EA is such a giant company with so many studios that it doesn't matter. It's like it's like if Microsoft announced they're having problems with Cortana, so they're taking people off the development of the new Microsoft Excel and putting them on Cortana or you know what I mean? Like they're these giant mini properties with a colossally huge thing uh, um, with EA, just their sports. I mean, EA could literally shut down everything they do other than sports tomorrow and fire all those people. And dude, I bet they consider it every day because they would make a fortune because they make so much money on their sports games. I know there's a couple others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what that's what I both Anthem. They took their engineers away from Bioware and they put them on FIFA. Could you... Could you just humor me because I lose track of this? Uh, of uh, other than FIFA and the sports franchises, what are the untouchable um, parts of EA? Uh, just in terms of make them so much money that they would always be prioritized. Other than FIFA and sports, Battlefield and Battlefront, both Those of which have failed to various degrees. To various degrees, but they still uh, at least at least this generation, yeah. Uh, but Battlefield Battlefield One. Battlefield the one before Battlefield Five, uh, that uh, launched earlier this uh, generation. Um, that that made a killing. Mm-hmm. That made a killing because uh, that was that was at the point in time where COD was like, we're doing this weird like future thing, and that's all people want, but we're doing it anyway. And so all the boots on the ground people were like, hey, I'm gonna go play Battlefield instead. Um, hey, remember when I said uh, EA doesn't have a monopoly on the sports market because of the show? 
well, guess what? The show's already on sale for thirty to forty dollars. It's been out yeah, what that, two that's months? That's surprising. Two months. That's not surprising. Yeah, if, that's the new. Yeah. That that's you the tried new to tell track. me. You tried to tell me that a PS baseball exclusive wasn't that popular. I was like, there's no way it's not popular. But apparently, even with a hundred million PlayStation units, nobody cares about baseball on the PlayStation. And 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 this is one of the things too is, um, among, uh, uh, among even among the sports games. So among the sports games, first of all, the show is the least sought after. I believe it's either the show or uh, NBA Playgrounds. It's, it's one or the other. But um, this is the new strategy that uh, Activision and uh, EA implement. Uh, and to a certain extent, Bethesda, but that was only Fallout 76, um, is, okay, the game's not popular, or the game uh, the, the game is popular, yes, but it's about time for Black Friday. It's about time for Cyber Monday. It's the Christmas season. So games around that time frame or games with features um, with high microtransaction features in them, they are willing to cut their price down after the first month, after the first week, after the first whatever, so that you get people into the game. But more importantly, you get people into the, their microtransaction shops, mm-hmm. and then once you're in the market, because that that's where that's where their main source of revenue is coming from, mm-hmm. um, especially EA, mm-hmm. uh, because if you can make you, you you don't have to sell to everybody for the microtransaction stuff, but if you are finding those whales, and there are always those whales, mm-hmm. that's what the industry calls us consumers that spend money on microtransactions. If you find those whales, then all of a sudden you just got a third of the price of a game for selling a virtual item that will immediately like that that you will put into the next one and will matter just as much to the next person. Like it it, it is uh, it is insane this strategy, but it works because you see, oh my god, the game's twenty dollars off. I guess I should get it. It's great, right? Because there's always going to be those people who buy a game at launch, mm-hmm. and then there's always going to be those people who need to buy, or want, will only buy a game when it's on sale. And so, cutting it down sooner means those people get it. You get it in the door sooner. And so that's been happening recently, uh, especially around Black Friday last year. COD went on sale, I think, two weeks after it came out. The most recent Call of Duty for ten dollars cheaper. Mm. I think. Uh, Fallout 76, despite the fact that it was a broken, buggy piece of shit, and that's why it went on sale more than the microtransaction stuff, uh, went on sale within two days of launch. It 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 was thirty five dollars by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. It like it's insane. So that that's the new strategy that some of these companies are taking. So here's where the money's coming from: FIFA, Madden. A tiny bit from NBA and NHL, comparatively, but some. The Sims. I always forget the Sims. The Sims, yeah. The Sims makes so much money. But Ethan, EA, mobile, loot box, microtransactions. It's mobile. That's that's the thing. They don't care about the things we care about because they're making all their money stealing from people uh, or whatever you want to call it uh, on microtransactions on on mobile devices, which continues to be predatory. But whether it's Star Wars or whatever, it's still EA behind a lot of this nonsense. 
I will say I have two two quick things about EA, uh, which sort of represent where they are. Um, one is you know when you do a a, a uh, a, a Google search for anything, it occasionally will tell you when a page was supposedly published. Like Google will tell you as opposed to when the page tells you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you know, sometimes you'll read in our, some of the clickbait sites. It says it was just published yesterday, but it was really published like three years ago. And they, yeah. the clickbaity sites just keep updating the date, whatever. <laughs> Well, EA is yeah. the other way. When you search for EA coming soon, it's listed as July 2012. Literally, Google lists the page refresh as July 2012. Obviously, the content has changed. But dude, there are only four things on the coming soon front page of EA. Madden NFL 20, predictable. FIFA 20, predictable. Jedi Fallen Order, predictable. You know what the other one is? Uh, sea of solitude probably. a bizarre indie kind of sounding adventure game about a woman who loses her mind and turns into a sea monster that i've never heard of before <laughs> i think they showed it off as last year's yay i can't remember anyway it's coming out yeah. july 5th so yeah. it's either the best thing ever that no one's talking about or no one's talking about it and no one's gonna play it that's what they got. So that tells me that all their money's in the mobile market other than FIFA. And that's their, that's their strategy. That is their strategy. And it will come home to bite them. And that's why as much as I, I'm going to say Bethesda, but as much as I bash Bethesda, I still root for the people of Bethesda deep down. I don't even know who the people are outside of a couple of these studios like Respawn at EA anymore, especially when they destroy studios like BioWare or, or whatever, or allow them to be Visceral. destroyed. Visceral, Visceral was the hardest hit. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so, yeah, man. I don't know. Maybe EA's in more trouble than we think, and maybe there's more layoffs coming, and that's part of what poisons this whole thing. So, okay. Let's move on to better, uh, clear uh, waters, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so, Xbox came out this year, and for once had a stage to actually yes. speak about and tell us about things, because, you know... And again, this is my ignorance for this entire generation. This is my ignorance. And guys, all my back padding of Ethan here is well deserved because I tormented him for a couple days as this was all going on, which was I didn't realize it was the Xbox sponsored stage of which there would be Xbox exclusive stuff, but also everything else like Cyberpunk, Jedi Fallen Order and so forth. So if it had been explained to me or I had understood it as such, because that happens at things like Comic-Con all the time, you know what I mean? That That some big corporation will sponsor things that won't just be... You know, it's not like, let's put it this way, it's not like Xbox has an exclusive on the Polish CD Projekt Red uh, cyberpunk property, for example. Um, And so it really benefits everyone. And so Xbox should be actually, you know, given some back pats uh, for promoting games like Jedi Fallen Order, Cyberpunk, and so forth that really are for for on all the systems. So I'll let you start on any of it. Um, But, but like, do you, let me put it this way, Eth, do you think it's clear to even the average video game person? like me like not the average person the average video game person then when xbox is having a stage i'm thinking oh this is the big xbox here's everything we're doing on xbox stage when that was only a part of what they were doing which was the right call i don't know if they advertised it well enough actually i would give them more props than maybe they gave themselves no i mean i think i think i think they pull it off pretty well 
Um, I think consumers are just confused by exclusivity, especially if they're not big PC gamers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if if you watch the conference, you 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 know what was an exclusive and what was it for a couple reasons. One, some of the titles have been long time Xbox exclusives. Yep. Um, but also, at least before every video, what they did was they said either they if they said world premiere that it, you knew it was on a con, it could have been on a, a platform besides Xbox. Yeah. If it said world exclusive premiere, you knew it was an Xbox exclusive and maybe on PC. Yep. That, and so, so at, at the very least, they do that, and they have been doing that for a few years now. So, to credit to them. But if you just if you just pull up a random clip, you just have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can see where the confusion comes from. That can um, I? Can I uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to make a promise to you right here, Ethan. You ready? Okay. If I'm The scared. Last of Us Part Two and or Death Stranding are not both or at least one of them. Uh, uh, you know, masterworks of art, or at least A plus video games. Like, if one of them's not A plus and the other one's not at least A minus or A, okay, I will here to forth give up my notion that exclusivity is a good idea with video games. I'll give it up. I will absolutely give it up. I'll give it up. I'll give it up. I, that- I, I, I'm actually, I'm actually pro exclusivity, but. uh well, it, it, it makes oh. sense, in, you know, again, with Nintendo projects, but not every Nintendo project is a $300 million Kojima project, right? I mean, some of it's doing a 2D Zelda game or Mario Rabbids, you know, like that I'm into. But when you put out mediocre shite like Days Gone, with all apologies to Sam Witwer, and by the way, dude, everyone says that the, the actual like voice acting and production of Days Gone is great. And I, I knew that would be the case because Sam Witwer is a brilliant performer and voice actor and, and actor it's just a shame it's such a clearly mediocre rehashed zombie thing and that was like the big sony thing and now that's why i'm saying it and i you know i i from what i've seen in plate of spider-man not appeal to me i thought god of war was overrated so then i gotta go back to like bloodborne and horizon but that was like three years ago already so you know so it, it's it's not that i don't still love my sony when it's working but i look at all the exclusives and it's you know I, I I we'll have to see we'll have to, like I said if the Last of Us and Death Stranding you know uh, both end up being Game of the Year contenders then then I'll be on board and Nintendo certainly knows what they're doing within their own studios but they've got their own model going with their own different kind of h- hardware experience so I don't know how to c- compare it but go ahead so, defend so, exclusivity so so, so so the the reason why I'm in favor of exclusivity even though it sucks for a bunch of reasons is the following. Mm-hmm. Because exclusives drive each side to make a better game experience. That's what I always thought. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Halo Infinite would not look as good, nor have such a brand new, beautifully looking engine, nor be powered by the AI that Microsoft is developing. Mm -hmm. if, if, If Microsoft was so being kicked in the teeth right now can i give you my first under the radar thing i wish i knew was happening at the time and give credit to you and microsoft and everything about it age of empires 2 coming back baby Woo! yeah yeah i was gonna get there it's gonna look so 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 good there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like i said earlier xbox finally showed up for the first time this generation this is how it, maybe not to this degree. I give this was a really good conference for them overall. 
um, I would have expected a conference like this every year or to some degree, mm-hmm. a, a partial conference like this every year. And I would have been a lot more proud to own an Xbox this generation. So, so but hold on, um, but hold on. But again, and I actually, you know what? Let's start with Xbox exclusives because like I said, I don't think Microsoft is specifically trying to confound the average viewer and and like, oh, here's a little cyberpunk here. Here's a little halo there. Is it Xbox exclusive? Is it not? You don't know. It's on the Xbox stage. It's a, it's a very smart marketing maneuver. And I would never, ever, ever, ever uh, fault them for doing it because it's clearly transparent if you follow what's going on at the end of the cyberpunk trailer or whatever, like on all systems, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. But, and I thought so they I, did a good job of mixing it up. Could you just disentangle the presentation in terms of like, did you think they did a good job of mixing up? Like, here's some big games that are going to look great on Xbox, but are also going to look great on other systems. And here's some games that are just going to look great on Xbox. You know what I mean? Like, did they have to explain more? Did they do just enough explain? just in terms of the presentation then dive into the xbox games so most of the games so so here's one of the things that you got to recognize about um these stages on these stages they solemnly almost never show game they, they almost never 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 show gameplay at least not to a very long extensive uh process the reason for this is because they want to fit as many trailers in as possible, regardless if it's an exclusive or not. Because what they do is it, it, it's it's um, it's it's like the it's like the friendly commercial jingle effect, right? You hear a commercial for uh, let's take Expedia, the 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 travel site, for example. There's a funny jingle at the end of their trailer. And, or that commercial, and then you're whenever you hear that jingle, or you, whenever you think of Expedia, you always think of that jingle. So it's a it's a it's a mental thing that they do. The way the, the why the reason why they do all this and they split it up is so, regardless of the exclusive or not, the first thing you think of when you think of that game is it's on Xbox. Xbox can play this game. Xbox is in your mind now because you thought of that trailer, you thought of that game. Xbox is now in your head. Right, even but, subconsciously. But, but and so none and, of the so games. I, thought, no, I have to point out. I, sorry, I have to point out. None of the games that are on all systems that were on the Xbox stage, like Cyberpunk, was there any? And this is again a compliment to them. There was no underhanded maneuvering of even trying to convince or trick people that those were Xbox exclusives. They were very clear about which games they were just presenting. And this is a branding thing, man. Again, you know, giant, you know, music festivals and, you know, trade shows of all sorts do this exact thing. You know, they promote their own thing, but they promote other things to get... It's a branding thing for Xbox, and that's what I want to separate. There's the I'm excited about the Xbox One system and the future Xbox system, and, and that stuff, and the exclusive. But I'm also excited that Xbox just seems to have their branding and marketing together for the first time in a while. Those are two different things, both done well, right? But I think it's important that we separate that to people who aren't watching as closely as we, and we take that for granted. Yeah. Um. And so it's yeah, basically everything you just said, which it's like when you go to the baseball park and you see all the like, you know, hot dog companies and like office depot things in the outfield. And if you had never been to a sports stadium before, you'd be like, oh, all these companies own the Phillies. You're like, well, 
not exactly. <laughs> it's a right. it's a co branding situation. It's the Xbox yeah. stage. It was like a party. It was it was brilliant the way they did it, and, and the fact that a lot of their games were sort of like in the experimental uh, under the radar type stuff that they slipped in actually w- was 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 smart and made it very appealing. Um, they could have let's put it this way they could have said oh you're excited about cyberpunk you're gonna be even more excited about halo they didn't try and do that which was very smart yeah and 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 they they they, i I thought they had a great stage because they opened up with some with some cool stuff and then they immediately run you into cyberpunk right and then you have obviously you have the great part with keanu reeves coming out we'll talk about that in a minute oh yeah um and then, then, then there's some more stuff, some more stuff. And they, then they do Gears, which is their other big guy, mm-hmm. besides Halo. And then they lead you into the end for the next Xbox spec announcement and Project Scarlet, which is what they're calling it. Then they talk about Project X Cloud, which is their streaming thing. And then they end with Halo, and that, that's when everybody walks away. Um, and it, it was very well. It was very well done all together. Um, I think Project Scarlet. They're just trying to appeal to the Bizzle directly on so many levels by calling it Project Scarlet. Yeah. Redhead, yeah, Scarlett Johansson, the Scarlet Witch. I mean, literally, they're they're getting under my skin. Scorpio wasn't doing it for me. Scarlet, eh, I'm starting to get interested. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let me let me start with the Game Pass because that's what that's kind of what they opened up with. Um. So they announced. Uh. But before E3, we found out about the Game Pass coming to PC. Uh. We've I've talked about it many times. I've always said the Game Pass is an incredible deal for ten dollars. This is free marketing. Sorry, it's going to sound like marketing. Um, can I ask you a favor? A can I ask you a favor? Can I ask you a favor? Can you set this up? What the Game Pass is for the listener again, who might be tuning in for the first or second or third time, then talk about a bunch of the games that they have. Name of the game is the game, and then circle back um, on it because I, I don't want to get into our our Game Pass is awesome. What games do they have? It doesn't matter. It's awesome. What, what games? I don't want to get into that thing. Um, so maybe just intro it, and then we'll talk about the games for a while. Yeah. So uh, the That's game what's making is, exciting is all the games. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, I think there's over a hundred games on Game Pass right now. And before E3, they announced that the, the Game Pass was coming to PC. So that was awesome. Uh, and so if you have it, if you own an Xbox or you have, if you get Game Pass on PC, um, for ten dollars you get over a hundred games uh, on. Xbox One, you get over 100 games. On PC, it's still a growing library, but it's a large amount of games still. Uh, and for $10 a month, you get all of the games in the subscription, and you can download and play them at any time, so long as you still have the subscription available to you. Yep. Uh, Which, by the way, incredible. considering PlayStation is selling Horizon Complete Edition for $10 and God of War Complete for 15 they should be doing something very similarly. I don't know why they're not. Yeah, and it, 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 it's an incredible deal, especially if you're someone who enjoys Xbox titles or you've always wanted to get into some Xbox titles. Uh, and then there's a ton of other games that are not just exclusively Xbox. Uh, I believe they added Monster Hunter World the other day. Ooh, uh, to the the list. Monster that, Hunter expansion that, was on the What's Good Games Girl. Oh, dude, you would love these girls. Yeah. Do you know what they're top four? Their top four games. Uh, they're like they're they're like the top five games they were most excited about from E3. Persona, Cyberpunk. Oh, no, hold on, hold no, on. No, not not Persona. Dr- Dragon uh, Ball, Pokemon, Monster Hunter, 
uh, Avengers slash Lego Star Wars and Cyberpunk, and then also yeah. the horror game. Um, Blair Witch. No, no, no. The two. No, no, it's a, it's a sequel. Um, uh, they all sound the same to me. You know, like Life is Death. Dying Light. Dying Light Two. Yeah, that was that. That was their sex because they like this the crazy horror games too. But they love all that Nintendo shit as well. You know, they love Kingdom Hearts and shit. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, Game, game Pass is a great deal. I I uh, I don't. So let's I go in the games. Let's play, go in the games. I want to hear. I want to hear you talk about the Microsoft exclusives because I didn't understand it at the time. I haven't researched a lot. The listeners want to know Microsoft's making moves with not just triple A type titles. Talk about some of the games in addition to the pre existing ones. Um, you can mention the remasters and the in re- the reduxes like Age of Empires and Halo, obviously. But some of the uh, uh, under the radar ones, I personally would be interested to hear you talk about. Yeah. So, um, just quickly before we get off of Game Pass, um, one of the key pros to Game Pass is every Microsoft exclusive title is on Game Pass, right, so right, you right. don't need to pay sixty dollars. You just get it for the years with your. That's why I'm pushing us towards Microsoft exclusive titles to so, people who might not know. Let's put it this way: people right, who I, have I, got, I, I, gotten I, into consoles in the last three years and see Sony with all the big selling exclusives. Microsoft's getting in on the game. Tell us some of those exclusives. Right, I just wanted to put that out there. Because no, I understand. That, I understand. That's a, that's a key point yeah. of the Game Pass. Your methodology um, is flawless. I'm just trying to keep it accessible to people who are going, it, you know, okay, it sounds like a great deal. What am I getting in addition to what's already out there? Because they have a lot of great new announcements. I want to hear you talk about it. So let's start with, uh, let's start with uh, one of the, not necessarily games, but still an important announcement that they made. Uh, they announced a new Microsoft Flight Simulator which is actually important for not necessarily game reasons because Microsoft Flight Simulator is actually one of the key programs that is actually used to train pilots. So they're making a new flight simulator. And it's also just for people who like planes, people who like the realism of flying a, uh, a, a plane. And uh, it's, it's the closest thing you can get to, you know, flying a plane without actually flying a plane. So I'm sorry if I'm uh, quiet over here. I'm jerking off quietly because uh, of how excited great. I am about Microsoft Flight Simulator. I'm not non-sarcastically. You know what, man? The only reason I didn't play more was because like I came of gaming maturity like two or three years after that when uh, LucasArts went, hey, why don't we steal the flight simulator model and have people fly X-Wings and TIE Fighters or games like Jet Fighter where you're playing like, you know, F-22s in like 1993. Wing Commander. Wing Commander. I mean, that's the thing, man. It was it was the... Um, I don't even know what to compare it to in terms of something that people just blatantly stole and made better in terms of fun, but it never lost its interest and people always had Flight Simulator. I always had it. I, you know, I, I was too busy trying to beat TIE Fighter every single mission on ultra hard, you know, with my giant fucking joystick system, you know, but like, I, I remember so specifically the first time I like took off from an aircraft carrier with like a shitty little joystick. I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And Ethan, yeah. I can only hope they bring peripherals. I know we always talk about this. I want joysticks. I want advanced peripherals to come back to these systems. They can handle it. The consoles can handle it. The PCs can definitely handle it. Sorry. If you're going to play Microsoft flight simulator, you need a flight stick of some sort. I hate to be that guy. Yeah. 
Like, um, literally so, pack- so that, Dude, Ethan, Ethan that, if people are going to pay $199 for a gold edition of fucking Ghost Recon just to get like extra skins and like three day early access bullshit, blah, 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 blah. People would pay $100 to get Microsoft Flight Simulator with a joystick and like go to town like they'd never imagined before. They would sell so many copies of that. Schools would get it. As you pointed out, actual flights. And I mean, they still are using versions of that today. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's why I wanted to get it out of the way because it's not necessarily the greatest gamer thing, yeah. but it's an important thing. But you knew I would love um, it. So that's, that's, what, that's an A+. Plus. You knew yeah. I'd love that. A+. Plus. Yeah. Yep. Um, they unveiled Ori and the Bl- uh, Ori, uh, Ori, the, the second or- Ori in the Blind Forest game. It's yeah. called Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If you've never played Ori, I very much recommend you go play it. It is such a beautiful experience. I've watched uh, Dodger played it, which was a beautiful game. experience. Playing a beautiful experience, a plus. Uh, can you actually look up the price for Ori Blind Forest on Steam right now? Because yeah, I guarantee you well, it's cheap. Give, give the uh, dummies the guide to, to Ori, to the people who don't know about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's um a beautiful platform. It's a beautiful, beautiful 2D platformer um, with, with just stunning fucking graphics. Mm. Just stunning. Uh, I've never personally played it. I've seen gameplay. It looks incredibly beautiful. Uh, obviously, Jesse just backed me up there. If um, you've seen Princess Mononoke, about it. specifically if you've seen the movie Princess Mononoke and you've seen the sort of black and white, wispy, little impy creatures that sort of fade in and out of existence and, and beings like that, and it's it's to me, it's very Miyazaki. I have no idea if that's where they're taking their cue from, but when I watch a game like that and this trailer, I mean, this looks like a slightly 3D-ized version of like a Miyazaki film. We don't see imagination uh, uh, other, and this is why I love the, you know, the bizarre point-and-click, you know, adventure genre stuff, man. I know this is a platformer, but it still has that feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I mean, Please, please go watch some gameplay. So what makes please. it, other than just being beautiful please. and being a 2D platformer and being, you know, arguably... It's got a great story from what I understand. Mm, world building? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great world building. Um, I'm not seeing pre-orders anywhere. Um, when's it coming they, out? They, they, may, they may not have announced the date. They may have just shown the trailer, which is not too uncommon. Yeah. Um, so that so let's okay so while we're doing Xbox stage which is going to be the bulk of the podcast because of how much fucking shit they get so be specific either the beginning or the end this is A an Xbox exclusive B for everything or C something else this is an exclusive Uh, everything I go after right now is an exclusive I'm not I'm not stop I I will eventually get into what is a game pass I don't think they're even trying Um, to sell it I think this is a launch title for the next gen game pass that's how they're billing it on the website available February 11th 2020 on Xbox game pass watch trailer join now this is the brilliance Ethan this is the brilliance this is the brilliance and this is what PlayStation has to do with the next generation they have to say 
PlayStation Pass, you get Horizon 2, you get God of War 2, you get Spider-Man 2, we got Bloodborne 2 or whatever, and that's not going to happen, but you know what I mean. It, like this, this is brilliant. They're not even marketing it as a standalone game. They're marketing it as a intro to the Game Pass. This is like buying a lifetime uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe theater pass, right? Pay $5 a month. Or, <laughs> so, you know, $5 a year and see, you know, every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie on any screen you want when it comes out because you know you're going to love it and have a good time. That's what they're trying to do here. It's absolutely brilliant. Coming soon to the Xbox Game Pass. I, I can't stress enough the brilliance of the marketing, but also, Ethan, the fact that I will get behind this because of the type of games that they're doing it behind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's brilliant. That's why they started Jesse. I, I, I called it out. I said, that's why they are doing Xbox Game Pass a year and a half ago, because they are laying the groundwork. They are setting it up in advance. It was literally, literally all of this, all of that work for ever since 2017 E3 or probably even 2016. They were just laying groundwork because they knew yeah. that there was no chance at hell they were ever going to take this generation back. And so the plan was to set it up beforehand and just go full yeah. speed right into the next generation. We'll keep talking that about was- the games. I always um, understood the logic of the groundwork and the philosophy yeah. behind the groundwork, but I go on past yeah. performance and the fact that Microsoft's most famous games like Gears, Halo, and Age of Empires are quite ancient. They need to have newer titles. I mean, I know this is technically a sequel, but Ori is still a new age title, a new generation title. Yeah. And so I was yeah. always on board with the notion of the Game Pass, and I think that's where it's going for everybody we're going to have to table my constant confusion as to why microsoft and playstation announced this huge agreement but right before all of this although then they went on to we're going to we're just doing xbox exclusive guys but when we get to the games like the big ones like cyberpunk that are on all the systems we'll talk about how there's a little bit of microsoft actually throwing bones for free to playstation i mean playstation was able to have a table at the xbox conference without having to do anything to be honest with you because of some of the games. Well, let's stick with the exclusives that they're selling for the Game Pass because this is a brilliant model. And if they can if they can do, let's say, half a dozen of these a year in addition to normal game releases, they're going to absolutely wipe the floor with the competition. Yeah. Um, they, has, they announced the State of Decay 2 expansion. I don't have any comment on that. Uh, also, I all guess, Xbox I mean, I, Game I, Pass. I guess great for people uh, sorry, all Xbox Game Pass exclusives like that are designed for what I just described and what you just described going forward are 4K, Ultra, HD, HDR, etc., Play Anywhere, etc., etc., etc. Yeah. Um, they announced uh, Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition, which I know you're very excited for. It, uh, personally, like, it looks beautiful. I'm a huge sucker for good sprite work. It looks great. Um, super excited. Uh, awesome. Looks great. Uh, they announced uh, another expansion for Forza Horizon Four. Wait, can I, can, is, I, can I just? I, I have to because it's one of my nerd games. There's like going to be a yeah. couple nerd games like Baldur's Gate. I, I'm going to have to weigh in on Age of Empires. I've said is the best thing Microsoft's done software wise for me personally as a consumer. I loved Age of Empires back in the day. The notion of taking StarCraft, Warcraft, Command and Conquer model and combining it with Civ. And you think, okay, you know, in an hour or two or three at most hour long real time strategy, a sieve, it must be much 
you know, less deep and much more superficial than civilization. But actually, Ethan, it's not because you have to think on your feet about which way you want your society to develop and your civilization because you are actually in real time. So you're not sitting there staring at the tech tree. Let's be honest, Ethan, you can buy as much DLC for civilization as you want, but ultimately you're still sitting there looking at the tech tree going, do I want to do seafaring? Do I want to do agriculture and mining and blah, 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 right? And you could just sit there as long as you want. And that's what's so relaxing about Civ and what we love. But what's great about Age of Empires and the games that copied it, like Rise of Nations, which have also gotten remastered. I, I don't really care. Age of Empires 2 was the best, is that it's actually a lot deeper than you think there's a ton of tech tree uh going on but it's live uh with age of empires which is insane and on the hardest levels actually makes it way harder when you're playing single player than than warcraft and starcraft and so forth because it's not just a tactical um military uh real-time strategy simulation sorry go ahead yeah um for, uh, they got another expansion for Forza Horizon 4. It is a Lego Speed Champions. Uh, basically, you're taking the incredible racing physics that Forza implements, and they are just Lego cars. Um, this looks say one so more time. wacky and say one more time. Peripherals. Peripherals. You're selling billions of dollars of racing games. There's a need for speed game coming. The Forza franchise. It, you're playing on a fucking controller console controller this is ridiculous this is insane with the amount of money that people throw at these things and not have peripherals to, it doesn't have to be a steering wheel but come on something yeah uh do, i do you I not agree, you don't agree? if you're gonna go if you're gonna for racing you can pass with a controller uh but if you want that, if you're, if this is, if, if like Forza is your jam, if Need Speed your jam, Grand Turismo your jam, you get a race wheel. But those people are fewer and far between, I find. Um, but here's the, here's but the listen, difference. Like, oh, sorry, go ahead. But well, I, all, all I was going to say is, it's like, listen, peripherals for these games are, are yes, they are important. They enhance yeah. the experience, right? Can I just, can I just make it for, for Joe, for Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo. wants to race with cool cars. Sure. Right. He, he's not going to spend $150 on a race. Yes. But for Joe Schmo, who wants to play Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020, he might want to get a decent joystick to fly a plane. I mean, t- I mean talk about VR. Well, I, I you cannot that, have yeah. a VR flight sim without a joystick it's impossible it is impossible you can't do v- a real good vr flight sim without a joystick so it's coming i don't know what you do about steering wheels but for joysticks for flying oh it's coming baby it you is coming i'm sure you can i'm sure you can find them um so yeah i mean this looks wacky this looks fun this tickles it ish an itch of mine that i'm sure it's it's not like i'll enjoy can i just make a quick comparison with the peripheral thing and then i'll let it go uh, like with destiny which is you know, okay. you play Destiny on your PC with a mouse and keyboard because you're awesome at it and you're competitive and, it, you know, physically it's the best way to play. But playing on a mouse and keyboard is not simulating shooting a gun any better or worse than a console controller. Whereas driving without a steering wheel or flying without a flight stick is objectively inferior to the actual real world experience. Does that make sense? Right. And I, I, that, 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 that's why I said yes, without a doubt. Right. Again, the joystick and the steering wheel are good experiences, without a doubt. Oh, this I, this I, isn't I me that. selling it to you. However, it's me selling it to everyone who's trying to make money on these games and why they don't make however, money. However, 
however, like these are there's a reason why the peripherals are more expensive and generally rare to find, and you don't see them anywhere. It's Nintendo's because, fault because they screwed it up in the early Nintendo days, and everyone got burned sure, by it. Sure, it, 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 it's, and that's it's not a sick burn. You, that's it, just the honest it, truth. Nintendo tried it, to do it, a lot all. of peripherals early on: the power pad, the rocket launcher. None of it worked, and people love Nintendo entirely. I just yes, yes, your history is correct. Let me clarify. Let me clarify what I was trying to say, which is if there are more, if there were more games to take advantage of said peripherals, then the peripherals would be cheaper. But there aren't because there's only four game franchises total among the two peripherals we just mentioned that are even worth, in my opinion, right. buying those peripherals for. Right. Which is why VR is going to change it. I answer my own question. Let's move on. Okay. Um, so sometimes Lego I just need to talk these things cool, out. Looks yeah. neat. Yeah, Lego Speed looks cool. Looks neat. I'm cool, excited whatever. to see. And look how I don't dumb care about it is. racing games. You don't care about racing games. The driving mechanics and Ghost Recon are excellent. I'll leave it at that. Let's move on. Uh, let's see. All right, the last two exclusives would be so Gears Five. Uh, great for people who like Gears. I've I've never been a Gears fan. Uh, you know. Gears is a great tactical over that a third person shooter. A lot of fun. Uh, I personally don't care for it. So can I, I can't really give you a possibly surprising hot take on my reaction? Sure. Go for it. It was not nearly testosterone and over the top enough for me. I didn't realize how much I like that about Gears. They and, tried and they to tone down the testosterone and it ended up just feeling like future Call of Duty or, or, or something. It, it, it didn't have personality. You know, I don't uh, know. Trailer or yeah, yeah, just what I've seen from Gears Five. You know, um, I would I, I would watch the whole stage experience because they did a full stage experience. It didn't for look it. bad. Cool. But th- again, this is just me saying I criticize it for being overly testosterone. But then you look at games like Doom and you're like, well, you can't take the testosterone out of Doom. And you know, I'm finally playing through Doom 2016. It's great, so over the top, and Infinite will be even more so. I hope they 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 uh. Don't try and go Tom Clancy with with <laughs> gears. Is all I'm saying. No, I don't think though. I think they're really trying to push the story on this one. That's why the trailers look. Just give us big chicks. Give us different. big WWE chicks in addition to big WWE men. You know, it's not that hard. I, and that that's but that's never been the point of gears though. But it's been it's the problem the with gears. Why it skews even more heavily, dude, than Call of Duty. I, I don't know. I can't comment. Um, it, if also was here, he would comment because he knows everything. Uh, and then the last one being Halo Infinite. Okay, um, give it to me. Give it to they me. They didn't show off. They didn't show off any gameplay, which was really disappointing. They just showed off a bunch of engine and the AI. Basically, they said this is what the engine and what the AI can do. Right. Uh, it looked beautiful. It looked fantastic. They showed some story stuff and some, some teaser and bullshit, which is great if you care about that. Um, but uh, outside of Listen, we've gotten two ridiculously beautiful trailer uh, engine renders of this game, right? That means jack shit until we see gameplay and play it. So, uh, looks great. I need to see gameplay. Uh, but they did confirm mm-hmm. that it will launch aside, alongside the next Xbox, um, which 
to, which says to me that they are going all out on the graphical fidelity for this game, which okay. I'm, I'm I'm all in for. Okay, so I'm um, I'm gonna put Halo on. Oh, so, one more exclusive. Wait, no, but look yep. about to Halo. I'm put, I'm putting Halo on uh, on the side uh, silently here to refresh my memory about it. Um, but I'll just say this: when in the in the good old days of Halo two and three. And, and landing and all that stuff as you know about it was revolutionary but also the aesthetic was amazing this was pre-mass effect um but it was also pre you know failed attempts at this like anthem and what i was going to say was if i am them it, well this is going to come up with the uh uh outer worlds trailer or whatever we're going to talk about later which is competing for this title I would be if I would be framing in Halo of like, do you have a horrible taste in your mouth about the great epic sci-fi experience that you wanted from uh, Anthem? Well, we're going to give it to you with Halo. Uh, with Microsoft going up against EA, that's whether they do it directly or not. That's how I would would be marketing it a little bit. I don't know if you agree with that. They don't need to. They could just show the Master Chief helmet, and everybody's just going to orgasm, and then it's over. Like. I, I, I appreciate your points. I don't think they need to do that at all. Because, again, Halo and Gears are those two titles on Xbox that uh, they could just show, yeah. and it's already sold. Just like just like Sony can show Last of Us. Sony could show... Um, uh, what's their other big Yeah, but Last of Us was not expected to be a success. was almost ruined by the wrong platform uh it was very controversial and it was only a single attempt halo built up a legacy over many many years that it can it can draw from it just needs to not screw up right and that, that that's why that's why i'm trying to draw what what's sony's um this looks like natalie portman <laughs> shaved hair natalie portman who is this creepy woman jesus christ what's sony's cash cow i forget uh uncharted I'm losing it off the top of my head uncharted they, they could just show an uncharted game it doesn't matter doesn't matter what it has in it. They'll, people will buy it, right? Same thing. So, uh, it, 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 th- those two games on Xbox's side were really just kind of a, we're showing you cool stuff so you can be excited. Um, with Gears, at least they show some gameplay for one of the modes that's going to be in the game, um, which I thought was pretty cool. Here's the difference. They also announced the collaboration with Terminator, which I thought was awesome. So, but uh, outside of that, okay, go for it. There's a difference, though. First of all, Halo defined numerous generations and numerous systems. Uh, completely redefined what was a computer game, what was a video game. It it, it 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 completely proved that Microsoft could succeed at both at the same time with the same property. Which had never, I mean, there had been Tomb Raider ports and Final Fantasy VII, which we'll get back to. But other than that, I mean, Halo was like the first major on both platforms, you know, game. Uh, over and over again, that was great. It was right when people were multiplayering, you know, it's such a high level competitively, cooperatively, both, you know, the Master Chief suit is iconic, even though it's been replicated and replaced by a million other, you know, things. It's still, you know, iconic for what it is, the Master Chief suit. You know, let's put it this way. Gears was representative of what was really successful when Xbox, an Xbox 360 was firing on all cylinders, but it wasn't a genre defining game. And now with very advanced cover shooters like The Division, which might come up later, you know, all of a sudden, 
uh, you know, Gears has to work extra hard to have either more interesting game mechanics, more personality, or something. Halo doesn't, you know, again, Halo just has to be epic Halo. Gears is a little bit more of what I would consider a legacy game. Now, this is from the guy who loves Age of Empires remastered and, you know, Baldur's Gate 3, but nevertheless, I don't see Gears as, as a defining game for them. It will sell copies. Um, but I, I think if they, let's put it this way, Ethan, if they underestimate the amount of effort and love they put into Gears, they're not going to sell as much as they think, uh, whereas Halo is going to sell a shit ton no matter what the fuck they release. See, see, here's where I disagree with you entirely, because Gears was the defining game for Microsoft during the 360 era. So, and, and Gears is a product of when Cliffy B was still a very well, uh, uh, cinematic dra- dra- very good. Name, game designer, like, like gears was, you got gears was epics and Microsoft's greatest creation, uh, after, after their first two hits. So I, 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 I disagree with what you're saying. I think gears is definitely not as important as halo as far as their cash cow is concerned. But it is the runner-up, without a doubt. If I go talk to all my friends with all their various levels of video game and or computer game experience, or lack thereof, almost every single one will have played or at least know or seen Halo. Only gamers know Gears. That's all I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's not great and won't sell well. It's just not on the same. It's on the same cultural level as as Halo. I mean, Halo's above Mass Effect. Halo's above all those games. That's fine. Here's the difference. As far as an Xbox gamer is concerned, because I can tell you as an Xbox gamer, Gears is just as important in many people's minds as Halo is. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. And the only thing that's in debate is when we say in people's minds how many people we represent. I'm trying to talk about people who have only played a handful of video games. They would well, only two, Halo. because that's how many people have bought an Xbox. Anyway, well, I mean, it's, um, it's not really an argument. I mean, my, my thing is just that Halo, if they could just put out a really great Gears game and P- Xbox fans would be super psyched. Um, but right, as you right, you said, ex- a lot of Xbox gamers. Halo's a game that if it was, you know, generationally changing in its new form, could single handedly bring people over um, the way Bloodborne and some Sony exclusives have done going the other way, for example. Um, maybe Gears could, too. Um, but Halo has that name. It, it's the Master Chief thing, man. Exactly. You could show it to my mom and she would be like, oh, I've seen that before. You know, it's just a, it's a branding thing. That, that's all I'm saying. I I do not think they would have devoted so much of their stage. They did more for Gears okay. than they did for Halo on their stage. So okay, I'm so still I confused do not think they here. Would have devoted I, as much to Gears. I'm sorry, Ethan. I'm confused. So we were going to talk about all these exclusives. We talked about Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and now we're talking about Halo, Age of Empires, and Gears, the three recycled properties that we've been talking about forever. So where are all these other new exclusives that are exciting and fun that people should know about that are going to sell the Game Pass? I, we, we, we did. We spent 10 minutes on them. Now, now, And now I'm going to go into the other Game Pass titles that they go. announced. Go. That are, all these titles are on the Game Pass. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to quickly run through the ones that I know we don't want to talk about. Um, Spirit Fair, which is a weird indie title, 
uh, Blair Witch, which is a remake of an old franchise. Right, but see, these uh, are the games I think I would be putting, if I were them, as much behind this as everything else, but whatever. Well, they did. They, they showed off these games. Yeah. Every single one of these games, they gave plenty of attention to. Yeah. So please don't please don't feel like we're mitigating any of these. Uh, Way to the Woods, uh, Wasteland 3, Psychonauts 2, Crossfire X. Oh, the re- oh let's talk about Psychonauts 2, the rebirth of... Um uh, Mr. Day of the Tentacle, whose name I always forget. I, who I has been dragged through the mud with the Fine Brothers over the years with accusations of corruption and bullshit. It's very interesting to see the Fine Brothers and what's his name from Day of the Tentacle back back at it uh, after much much controversy, to say the least, over the last ten to fifteen years. Yeah, I I, I don't know any of this, so go for it. No, I, I'm just. I, just l- I, I don't. I don't know what damn thing to be honest. With you. I don't know anything about Psychonauts. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yep. I don't know the developer. I don't know what who's been dragged through what mud. I don't know any of that. So if if you if you've got no, I mean, you got something to say about that, go for it. it, it it's it's one of those very eccentric, brilliant guy makes the tentacle widely considered the pinnacle of the point and click adventure game. People still say it hasn't been topped. You know, and so then everything after that either sucks or is bullshit or is smoke and mirrors. I I, I try not to get sucked into that, but the the the, 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 the Fine Brothers, the Double Fine Brothers, whatever their name, the, the production company behind it has also been involved in some. I'm not going to call them uh, uh, along the lines of the um, uh, what's the sketchy uh, uh um key uh game key website that randy pitchford was involved with for a while uh g2a g2a right so the vine brothers are not like g2a level sketchy but if you just search double fine brothers and dave the tentacle there's some interesting history there in psychonauts was you know legendarily you know like many adventure games like mist split between people who said this is gorgeous and beautiful and other people who said this is absolute utter shite and barely a game kind of thing but clearly they're back on top i'm 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 going to give this an a plus just in terms of the fact that this is still viable and people are excited about it cuz i like these types of games so i'm i don't know who's right and who's wrong i don't care there's so many charlatans in this industry I, i'm not going to go hard on on these guys and he's he's a brilliant developer and he's a buddy of will wheaton he's He's been on tabletop. He's an interesting dude. Uh, um, I'm going to get his name because I'm a fucking idiot for not uh, having it uh, in front of me right now. Um, but uh, is I, I think, let's put it this way, the fact that Psychonauts 2 is happening, man, and having this much hype seems to be a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I have Tim some Schaefer. friends who Tim are Schaefer. super excited for it. Tim Schaefer. Tim I have some friends who are super excited for it. Yeah. Great. I'm glad they're I guess happy. who put out Day of the Tentacle, by the way? No idea. That would be LucasArts. Cool. Right around Mon- the Monkey Island games and Full Throttle and all that stuff when they were awesome. killing it. Yeah. By the way, every, again, you know, none of my sources at Lucasfilm are uh, official, but I know people who know people who work there. And I'm telling you, they are going to they do, they are locked into an agreement with Electronic Arts, and they are trying to get back that franchise as quick as possible and to, and to, to Disney to make those games. Cool. I'm not gonna say they'll be good again, but when Lucas was making his own Star Wars games, they were pretty darn good, and p- making games like Day of the Tentacle. So, got g- Tim Schafer, good on you. The Scum Engine—that's uh, where the Scum Engine comes from, by the way. They showed off some Battletoads gameplay. Great, mm. awesome. People love Battletoads. 
Uh, they showed off. Now you took uh, me to uh, task uh, no, it, a year me. ago for not being excited about Battletoads. You ripped me on the podcast. No, you ripped me for announcing Battletoads and saying people shouldn't be excited for this crap because Battletoads suck. That's what you said. <laughs> I, you know, I ripped you for insulting people. I love it. I love it. Keep going. Uh, I'll leave this one in a minute just because we had some surprises. Uh, Outer Worlds. All right, buddy. Well, before we get to Outer Worlds, which I didn't have any idea about, had no idea Obsidian was involved with, who I love, and I mean, I watch it. I'm like, is this really happening? I mean, you know, I love Destiny to to, to pieces, but more colorful sci-fi action adventure stuff. Just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I want to talk about that, but really quick, man. We have to mention the From Software announcement is official. We all kind of knew it. Uh, the, uh, so they're going from doing a bizarre original horror uh, fantasy property f- exclusive for Sony to what from software? So they just um, they just put out Sekiro, and then the next title is Elden Ring, which is a. Um, Rather than rather than tapping into those super dark elements of uh, Dark Souls, they are tapping into a, a world that was written and built by George R. R. Martin. Stop! 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 Are you going to try and tell Game of Thrones is not super dark? I, I'm going to smack you. You got to be kidding me! I didn't. Why would you assume that Martin? Because that's the way you set it up. Exactly You're saying they're like, going from the super dark worlds to. No, go ahead. They, go ahead. Except, except, except that's what they describe. They describe the world as being more light, more fantasy lighthearted <laughs> than. So the man who doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Uh huh. I did. I'm not the one describing this game. Can, can, it's the developers. And this isn't what I want to talk I, about, anyways. Uh, you didn't even want to bring this up off mic, but I want to bring it up for not the reasons you're saying. Um, this is going to tie together the new announcement for Baldur's Gate 3, which despite the unparalleled success of a, a top-down, extremely complicated RPG like Divinity Original Sin selling a bazillion copies, those they got hired, big shocker, by Wizards of the Coast to do the Baldur's Gate 3 with the Dungeons & Dragons system. Now we've got the From Software guys who have done an amazing job with their own original lore going to Game of Thrones. Um... The, the cyberpunk guys are trying to do it now, man, but they got their bones with The Witcher 3, which is, to me, the single best world fantasy world building post-token that I've ever read, including writers that I grew up with and George R. Martin is the Polish writer of The Witcher series and The Witcher universe. is so absolutely brilliant that they drew from The Witcher 3. People don't realize if you played The Witcher 3 and you love that game and that story, there is no character or story or world building beat in that game that does not come straight from the literature and that's not always the case and i'm saying it's going to work with from software here with elden ring but ethan what has been my consistent complaint to you i don't know if we talk about that much but my, my consistent complaint about divinity original sin and pillars of eternity which are games that i always keep going back to over and over again and can't stay with is 
there is so much fucking lore for worlds that have never existed before and will never exist again. And the fact that they're pivoting to Dungeons and Dragons that's been to the original sin so quickly to do the same exact game, but with Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition with Baldur's Gate, man, is exactly what's going on. You know how some people love Dark Souls and love the lore, and there's some people that hate Dark Souls and don't give a shit about the lore, and then there's some people who like Dark Souls but don't really give a shit about the lore you know what i'm saying man um some combination even i'm fascinated by the dark souls lore because i'm just into fantasy lore and i think it's brilliant but i play these games that are thick with lore and there's a reason why game of thrones and star wars keep getting used over and over again because it, it's worlds that people are already invested it with lord of the rings now a you know multi new series on amazon that's going to span decades harry potter we've definitely not seen the last of we're already getting you know fantastic beasts and so forth i'm not saying i love it but even i think the bigger point here dark or not whether it's going to work or not you you know i'm a critic of game of thrones but i've seen most of the series i've read some of the books i know the lore extremely well it is an excellent 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 world building experiment it's even better than some fantasy writers that i prefer in terms of the world building and so from software can now concentrate 95 percent on gameplay and only five percent on lore and world building to me that is a massive advantage and that is why i think cyberpunk is going to be great but i I still don't think people realize how much of an uphill battle project red is going up trying to do a sci-fi cyberpunk property 50 years in the future that's been done by william gibson in the books and deus ex to various degrees you know and right i mean if cyber we can loop to cyberpunk here man which is really the big topic and we should get to at this point in the podcast but let's be honest other than you got neo from the matrix which is the most famous cyber cyberpunk property on screen but stole straight from ghost in the shell um which was also operating in the 70s 80s and 90s around other cyberpunk and literature and anime and manga and so forth also he was johnny mnemonic i mean he's constantly in cyberpunk properties is, is keanu reeves or things like john wick where you think he's in a a, a, um, a nook of, of the matrix like a matrix construct almost like that hotel and everything almost seems like the hotel in the matrix and so forth so it's fitting that keanu to do it but do you see what i'm saying about the world building here man i'm not saying from is getting lazy but i'm saying after all the world building that they've done from scratch i think they're saying to themselves how about we go game of thrones which people have been eating up for the last 20 years and the last eight years on screen and we just focus on gameplay and let Martin deal with the lore. It is what I'm thinking with that game, why Baldur's Gate's coming back, um, and, and, and all and all that sort of things. Thoughts? So, one, Martin's role for oh, and Fallout. Elden Ring. Sorry, Fallout was my, my counterexample, was Fallout 76 was relying so much on people's love and, and devotion to the Fallout mythos. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Martin's role with Elden Ring starts and stops with you're the world builder and nothing else. He has nothing to do with the story. He has nothing to do with the the flow of, I was, I was being somewhat metaphorical. Yeah. When I said, let Martin do the Um, world building, I'm saying he's already done it. Let's license it and use it. And by the way, dude, 
you know the 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 geniuses who write these fantasy and sci-fi universes their fans know it better than they do tolkien was the only one who knew his own universe better than anyone else all these you know all the george r, r. martin you know fanboys and fangirls they know game of thrones better than he does like they probably could beat him in a jeopardy contest about game of thrones that's not where they're operating yeah i, I was saying in a roundabout metaphorical way that wasn't clear i apologize yes let's take this amazing world building and now we've got that <laughs> let's focus on gameplay that's that's all i'm saying yeah that's what Baldur's yeah. Gate 3 is going to do. Baldur's Gate 3 is not going to innovate greatly on Divinity Original Sin because while Schreier and everyone, you know, bends over backwards to praise it and I keep trying to play that game, it all comes down to the combat system. And even the developers, dude, from Divinity admitted that the, like the story and like character stuff was kind of weak in the games and they want to go back to that using the Dungeons and Dragons system. It's just easier. It's like Jedi Fallen Order. Like maybe Jedi Fallen Order is going to be a B minus game in terms of gameplay, but actually have a B plus plus or a minus story and that's what's going to hold it together because fucking lucasfilm was working their asses off doing that backstory dude even the battlefront campaign six hours long battlefront 2 with aiden versio and the whole post return of the jedi stuff is so crucial and is literally coming into episode nine like lucasfilm was on top of the story stuff you know martin just licensed that out you know even it doesn't have an active role i'm not saying this game is going to be good great or otherwise but could you see at least as someone who appreciates dark soul bloodborne and so forth as a company who loves their lore that for once it might be nice to take th- that part of the the day off a little bit you know and, and use someone else's that everyone already loves and we want to know more about like what were the targaryens like three thousand years ago well they're doing that in the jedi old republic movies with the game of thrones guys in star wars i mean everyone's doing it so i i i can't blame them for making this move and you know i'm not a from guy i i I do not know the decision why they chose to bring Martin in. Whether it was a collaboration... Because it's the first multi-billion dollar television franchise ever. I mean, it literally, this has never happened. Whether it was because artists like other artists that they were like, hey, I would like to work with you. Or whether it was because, hey, it would be a good idea if we could work together. I I do not know the reason why. I can tell you why. I can tell you why. I'm the guy. No, No, I'm the guy, Ethan. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who loves the Game of Thrones universe and didn't like the TV series for long stretches. That's what I'm saying. I'm the guy who's read 100 fantasy books. You've read Lord of the Rings like six times, but I've read tons of other fantasy authors. I still do. I try and write fantasy, modern fantasy, ancient fantasy, mixed fantasy, sci-fi. It's my favorite genre. Star Wars is more fantasy than science fiction. Let's be honest. It's all about fantasy. I'm saying if it appeals to me as someone who's criticized Game of Thrones, you know, for four years of the podcast, it loves the universe. That's why they're doing it. If that's what you want to believe, go for it. We're a cyberpunk. Let's let's do a little thought of experiment. When you think of cyberpunk, are you thinking they're going to take the best of Ghost in the Shell? They're going to take the best of The Matrix? They're going to take the best of these other anime manga properties, uh, cyberpunk writers, uh, you know, uh, uh, books like Snow Crash or Neuromancer from the 80s and 90s, classic cyberpunk, William Gibson, etc. You can do a hodgepodge of that or, or, you know what I mean? Like, just in your head, like, what do you see the world building? This is me asking you a legitimate question right now in the podcast what do you see the world building going in because it's not like drawing from the witcher books which is thousands and thousands of pages of an amazing lore and universe that they could just easily draw from i mean everything memorable about the witcher with triss and siri 
I mean, it, it, and Carol, it's all it's all from the books. So what what do you? This isn't a this isn't a loaded question. I'm curious as someone who's in, into things like Ghost in the Shell and anime, but maybe not as much as me in that particular genre. You think of cyberpunk? Are you thinking just a better day of sex? Like, what's your best case scenario from sort of a world building uh, standpoint for cyberpunk? They're drawing from one particular writer. I don't remember his name, but they're drawing from one particular cyberpunk genre writer. Um. And well, I hope it's William Gibson because he invented the term. But yeah, go. Ahead. I believe it might be, but I do not. I, I don't know. I mm. I haven't done enough research in that department to to comment fully and accurately. Um, now, uh, my best guess of where they would draw from, if it's not that, yeah, probably probably the genre as a whole. Uh, cyberpunk, er, not cyberpunk. CD Projekt Red obviously from Witcher is very good at looking at the source material and making something. And so it's interesting to say, okay, so with a more of a vast variety of source material, what can we do with this? And so probably just from the genre as a whole, of can, I ask, yes. can I read it to you? Go for it. Dude. Uh, Blade Runner, which I talk about all the time, Ghost in the Shell, which I literally just said five times, System Shock, which was a great early computer game version of this that was just ripped straight from th- those properties, and Deus Ex. Uh, the original Deus Ex games were phenomenal, and now that they're giving you non-lethal options and stealth options in this game, you know th- this is going to be if it's even eighty to ninety percent what what I want, it will be a fully realized version of the best parts of the Deus Ex games. The problem is, Ethan, part of what makes the best Deus Ex games great is they're not a fully open world. And so they can tell a story. They can give you, you know, the feeling of being open in these giant cityscapes and underground environments, the way Dragon Age, uh, the original Dragon Age and Mass Effect games did, for example. Um, and so to do fully open world and still try and tell that story, I think is extremely, um, uh, 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 I don't know. I, I was going to say ambitious, but then I thought of The Witcher 3. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, yeah. what do you think about the whole thing about it, though? Uh, by the way, uh, I want to highly recommend, again, not only to listen to Jason Schreier's uh, t- uh, split-screen podcast, but his 28-minute-long interview uh, with uh, the head of the Polish head of CD Projekt Red, whose name I cannot pronounce. It's Badowski or Berzanowski or something like that. And they have a hilarious discussion, Ethan, because he talks about how Schreier is up his ass every day, every week about these working issues and, you know, how he treats employees. And Schreier's trying to be so nice, but still be a great journalist. And they're just making, they're busting each other's balls the whole time. Like they know each other. They Skype all the time. And he, to his credit, man, to his credit, the CD Projekt Red guy came out when when Schreier was dropping the bomb on Anthem and and everything and other people were rockstar was starting you know having to come out with stuff and the cj cd project red guys who by the way also own gog.com among other things uh that's a separate story um came out to schreier and in public to say yes we have people work hard and maybe where we work too many hours but we never force people it's illegal in our country i mean that's part of the thing you know he can say i i'm from poland and we have polish laws and european laws tend to be much more pro-labor 
in pro working class than American laws. So it's easier for them. Uh, like they literally can't force people to do it. As in America, you can find plenty of ways to force people to do it. Um, and he said, look, if, if unionization, I mean, Schreier asked CD Projekt Red guy straight up about unionization uh, and later thanked him for being honest. And CD Projekt Red CEO said, all I'm going to say is if it's within the law, then it's within the law and they can unionize and we won't do anything about it, you know? And it's like the most honest thing. And, and Trier called out, dude, a Pitchford and a bunch of other CEOs by name, EA. I mean, he called out CEOs by name in this interview with CD Projekt Red guy for being, you know, either liars or, you know, not even commenting on these things or whatever. So good, good on them. Good on them for being open, you know, uh, you know, and more transparent. Is there some crunch going on there? I'm sure. Schreier, you know, as you and I have speculated, <laughs> said straight to the guy's face, oh, you guys must have moved it to April 2020 to get around this whole rushing it issue. And the guy just starts busting his balls back, being like, you just can't help, fit, you know, getting that question in whenever you can about labor stuff, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so worthwhile, guys. If you're interested, not just in The Witcher and video games, just anything about video games or the way that corporate international corporations work, especially video games listen to this interview these two you know the best video games journalists in the world and one of the best C uh, ceos of video game development in the world as far as i'm concerned uh and talk you know busting each other's balls with with mutual respect about trying to move the industry forward and dude say what we will if cyberpunk ends up being a really good b plus a minus game it still will at least be moving the video game world forward would be sort of my final thought on a much bigger topic that we don't have time here but i want to give you final final thought on cyberpunk what happened to three paragraphs no that was way that was Baldur's Gate. oh oh i didn't even I talk know. about Baldur's gate oh <laughs> i didn't scene, go into all the things no no the three paragraphs you. was about the world building and that's why i'm saying I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm busting you i know no no i know i know i know i know but i want the people to know that that's something i think about a lot as a writer and a consumer of all these things video games and otherwise is the world building you know that's why it's like you know, I'm super into Ghost Recon right now based on real world modern issues. And they actually do a pretty good job of representing these countries, you know, some of which I've been to and like the political situations. Whereas Assassin's Creed, you think it's historical, but they're really creating this complete, you know, fantasy based in history that has nothing to do with anything other than the aesthetics of it. Um, and so I'm, I'm just, I just wanted to say, because we might not have time for Marvel or Star Wars or Pokemon or Dragon Ball, all of these franchises with tons of lore and tons of history. It's not just about nostalgia, man, I guess is where I'm coming from. We, we always fall back on this nostalgia thing. You, me, and Austin and many people say, oh, it's just about nostalgia. Final Fantasy, just about nostalgia. And some of it is, but it's also about having pre-made awesome world building that people are bought into but love and want to know more about. They want to know more about the, you know, the, the Targaryens and the dragons and, and Game of Thrones, man. Like, eight seasons wasn't enough. Like, I get it, you know? Um, well, I, I would... I, I would I would say that the, that everything you just said feeds into the nostalgia for those who are already um, for those who are already invested and for those who are not yet invested they see it and they say okay well this looks interesting so it's it's a it's a it's a it's a double effect it's, it's a bonus for like for Final Fantasy for example but that's there's already there's, this, this great twist. world building for all these games yeah and so that feeds into nostalgia for those who've already right. played them. And it it shows it makes a good game for those who have not. The, the the slight differences though, and I'll take the from software guys with Martin and 
the new Tolkien series, series is, is, is on Amazon, both of which were paid billions of dollars for, for those two giant fantasy franchises. The difference is if from software releases a game and it's like, you can play Khaleesi, you can play Jon Snow. Then it's like, okay, this is totally a pure nostalgia cash grab. That's not what they're going to do. They're going to explore a completely different part of the history of the universe within that world building. And we know for sure Amazon is, I mean, Amazon has specifically said it's taking place during the second age, which is thousands of years before Eric, you know, you know, the very beginning of fellowship of the ring, when you're seeing that ancient battle between the mm-hmm. last alliance of humans and elves against mm-hmm. Sauron before he's, you know, suppressed for 3000 years. That's the second age. Like, like it takes place before that. You know what I mean? And so like mm-hmm. even old lived characters like Aragorn and maybe even Gandalf might not be in the picture. You know, that's the difference between saying we love this world building. We want to explore new pockets and we're just cashing in on pure nostalgia, which is why I despise 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 kingdom hearts because it's so blatantly a a <laughs> that's all it is that's see it see, is. see you just but 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 see when you you put kingdom hearts out there but, but Disney, literally your entire point literally literally your entire point applies to kingdom hearts as a whole so I don't know what you mean by that. I, 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 I it's not a fair comparison. You you're that. right because Kingdom Hearts it's not is, a fair is no, because it's transparently about nostalgia, and that's what people want. Yes, you're right. You're it's right. about nostalgia, and it's also transparently about the end to a series or an alleged end to a series that took 17 years to make. Right? No, no. So, but I'm saying the very mission statement of Kingdom Hearts is about celebrating nostalgia openly, which I respect, as opposed to saying, "Oh, we're not repackaging nostalgia." I mean, let's put it this way. <laughs> The Lord of the Rings movies, just by being movie versions of the book, was already flirting with being just pure nostalgia. And I didn't even love the Lord of the Rings movies the first time I saw them in the theater as much as I do now because I was coming with such a critical book eye and being like, oh, it's better in the book, it's better in the book, it's better in the book. Over time, I come to appreciate the movie versions. And actually, some of the things I love the most about the Lord of the Rings movies, and I know the fans are going to hate me, um, <laughs> but some, some of the changes or additions that that they felt were in the spirit of the movies and the books they put in the movies, like the elves coming to Helm's Deep to help, for example, into Two Towers. I absolutely love, uh, you know, I didn't want an exact interpretation. I'm just trying to distinguish between, yes, like, this is blatantly about nostalgia, or we're trying to tell you it's not blatantly about nostalgia, but it is, and we just don't know. It's got to be property, property, but From Software has been absolutely an A-plus software development company, right? So, I, you know, and Game of Thrones is, is an amazing fan fantasy universe i don't see i don't see the downside on it but i i um i, I guess i can see the concern but, but then on the that's why i wanted to juxtapose to cyberpunk and we're really going to move on because cyberpunk is a company that came from working with a huge body of fantasy literature with the wisher and now is trying to create their own based on a loose association of what i said ghost in the shell blade runner and so forth and i'm a little skeptical about that storytelling but we will have to see so Ethan, let's head towards the finish. Guys, we've decided, I'll put this in the beginning, this is going to be part one, the intro to E3, big thoughts, philosophical stuff, and then the Xbox stage, which is most of anything. And honestly, Ethan, I I, I don't know if we like have enough for a part two other than to hone we in. Have, we have enough for a part two, don't we? Well, we definitely have a Switch podcast. Um, although I'll let Square you... had a ton to talk about. And we've got Destiny 2 as well, which is a whole other thing. 
There's a because I finished Red War, baby. I did it. I finished it. There's a ton to talk about. Don't worry about that. I finished Red War, just like I said I would. Okay. All right. It's your it's your show, man. It's your show. It's your show. We're the final act here. You literally Xbox. No, it's not because we still have to talk about Outer Worlds because you want to talk about Outer Worlds. Yes. Go. (laughs) No, it's not my podcast yet. No, you don't no, have to ahead, talk about it. I just didn't even know this thing no, existed. No, I, they, so they announced this back at the Game Awards last year, at the end of last year. And that's when I first found out about it. That's when everybody first found out about it. Um, it's going to be it's gonna be an Epic Game exclusive, which sucks for PC, but that's that's not the error there. It's going to be on Game Pass. So $10, you play the game. Great deal. Um, it is a sci-fi... Uh, I don't want to say meta, but it has meta elements. I'm sure uh, it's it's a sci-fi open world exploration game where you. Uh, I think that it, we don't know a lot, but like the synopsis is, uh, you're off to save something for the doctor who sends you off. Or what? I don't know. Save anyway, the wizard, the one by- wizard of us. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That specifically. Um, I'm watching it right now, guys. Uh, oh my god, that looks like my Destiny ship. That little, that little spaceship. Sorry, it looks like my Destiny yeah. ship. Yeah. It. Um. So you have it, it's the it's it's the it's Obsidian who is developing the game, and then you have the original writers of the Fallout series writing the game and the and the story. So oh, and which Fallout? Uh, which Fallout in particular uh, are you referring to? I, I'm, about to, I'm about to get there. Uh-huh. About to get there. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hold your Jimmy. Since you've never played the game, since you've never, since you've never played the game, since you've never played the game, Jesse, please. Um, well, I've played his better the, game. The the what many would consider the best Fallout game. Little Bioshock and New Vegas. Mm-hmm. And the uh, and and the Golden so, God John Gonzalez. Praise be his yes. name. Yes. Uh, I'm going to get it on my Vegas. PC, by the way, dude. That's the kind of game that'll run great on this rig. It'll run great. And yeah, you, you, you'll need to install some mods because that game did not age well. But um, that's what I view for. Oh, wow. This is very Borderlands y. Uh, right. Oh, it, interesting. It, it's, got, it's got like a Borderlands art style with a sci fi. It's got Bioshock, like disturbing. Open world. Uh, Precisely. So it it, it 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 looks like it has all the elements. To single player, play. multiplayer. What do we got here? Single, all single, for what I understand. Yeah, for, for what time I with the guy looking straight out of cyberpunk. Okay. What what are the key moments? Is um Zelda. so the play in, in, in the trailer? The player character appears to shoot an NPC, mm-hmm. and what are the NPCs response with? Oh my God! You shot him. Uh-huh. But you know what? You just keep being you. It's all right. Like, like, can I give you my bizzle take on this? Sure. Like Pillars of Eternity on paper and visuals is like made for me. But like Pillars of Eternity, it's gonna end up feeling like it borrowed from a ton of different things and not have its own thing. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But every single <laughs> shot in here, I'm like Bioshot, Borderlands. Destiny, Mass Effect, Halo. I mean, like literally every single shot looks like like a shot from another another game or another franchise. Yeah, but Auto Chess is just a game about chess, but it's actually just RPG. So, like, 
every game is a copy of another game. Like every game is no game is not going to draw elements from none other game, especially in this day and age. So right. What what I would what I would say is is if it takes the elements from those games and it makes a really good single player open world experience out of them, I'm all for it. Right? Like taking elements from a game is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing when you you take the right elements and mix the right elements together. Can I finish my comparison though real quick? Which is the reason Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2 and Pillars 1 and 2 have been mostly well received by both press and public is because people were yearning for the Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale type old school RPG that still looked great but was party based and either D&D based or D&D inspired because all we have these days are these shitty games like Witcher and Horizon and Zelda, <laughs> you know, action RPGs. People want hardcore numbers-based, stats-based, class-based, race-based RPGs. And both companies, Obsidian and the European company behind Divinity, dude, absolutely killed it. But it's not a coincidence that Divinity's company was the one handpicked by uh, the D&D guys to do Baldur's Gate 3 to loop it back around and not the Pillars guys. Because, well, the Pillars people stuck more on the surface in terms of the names of the classes and the way combat was resolved to how Baldur's Gate and just D&D functioned in general. The sort of spirit of storytelling that Dungeons & Dragons has been headed towards in all their properties the last decade or two, Divinity is more in line with and just sort of more innovative and colorful and fun. And like the people in Critical Role like do live streams playing Divinity, you know, also you have four player co-op with the turn-based RPG. Come on. I mean, who does that, you know? Um, and so what I'm saying is those two great properties, Pillars and Divinity, have had no competition. And now the only competition is going to be Baldur's Gate, which is coming from Divinity, whereas this is competing with a lot of sci-fi shooters. But that's that, that's neither here nor there. I don't even think this is competing with sci-fi shooters, to be honest with you. I think it's just a sci-fi setting. Yeah. Who's writing but, it? But this, is, but this is the original writers of the Fallout games, like Fallout 1 and 2. Those writers. Uh, I don't know names, but I know they wrote pretty good lore because they wrote Fallout. So, um, it's being The narrative designer is being credited as Catherine Starks, who other than uh, Ned Stark's wife in Game of Thrones doesn't even have a wiki page, which doesn't mean she's not good. Uh, it's not John Gonzalez. Um, it is some of the executives. Obviously, they've had good continuity. Um, what's the deal with Take Two these days as a publisher, as a, sort of a connector here? They pretty much just do Red Dead and... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. they, they're, they're, they're pretty much well-known for their... For by the way, uh, dude, the Rockstar stories uh, that are starting to trickle out Rockstar. making are making the Anthem uh, crunch seem like JV. Like, the Rockstar yeah. guys are acting the way like John Romero would act in that position in today's world with that much power or something. Yeah. They and as are I understand it, Rockstar, pumping Rockstar testosterone... Is- th- 
like almost like Steve Jobs, the way Steve Jobs, you would give an idea to Steve Jobs. He would insult you. He would insult your wife. He would insult your children. He would start screaming at you. He would call you worthless, threaten to fire you. And then the next day he would have co-opted your idea into their <laughs> new program as if he had developed it as his own idea. Extremely toxic, but can work in short spurts as a fear-based creativity. As an Apple person, I, I have to admit it. I've read all the job stuff. This is, seems even worse, pumping testosterone as if they're like cosplaying, you know, Red Dead Redemption in the offices. It's so juvenile and pathetic that's what i hate that's the thing i mean todd howard is a coward and a liar but he's not one of these like you know younger like let's just pump testosterone through everything in the offices and like scare people you know and and, like if anything but this is not working there are people hard enough you know and that might be part of the problem you know like i just when when todd how i have to say this man when todd howard got on stage i just felt bad I felt like he was sad. He knew he had to div- give a, a, a pump up speech that, you know, that Bethesda wasn't going to shit and people applauded, which was very polite. I don't believe in the conspiracy theories. I do think it was polite applause for their past performances. I felt bad for Don Howard. Don Howard, for me, is not succeeding because he's not in the right position and he's a little bit out of the generation as opposed to these rock star guys and some of these other companies where they're just out of their, again, you know, with Romero and those guys, you know, they were just eating pizza pizza and drinking diet coke and staying up all weekend you know programming this is like taking it to a whole new level god knows what fucking drugs and shit th- these people are on um this needs and, to get uh, reported can, I, uh, can i get a reality check and a uh a devil's advocate for you since check check one two one two yep yep uh what is your thoughts on naughty talk then i'm waiting for the story I'm waiting for the story. And the only reason I'm staying with them is because Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker, but specifically Ashley Johnson is beloved in the nerd community for her joint roles of, uh, of Ellie and other voice work, you know, actually being an act like a child actress that we all watched growing up before you were born on, on television. Let me, let, 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 let me stop. Let me stop. Wait, hold right on. There. Hold on. Hold on. I mean. A critical role, a main character on critical role that when they kept having, and this is why I think there was more than crunch man was because Ashley Johnson was supposed to be back as the eighth member of the mighty nine on critical role. Like, eight months ago and she only got back like a month ago and she's being a great you know soldier and they celebrated the six you know year anniversary of the original today and she posted stuff and you know laura bailey and all them like they're all friends and and i i think neil Druckmann's a good guy but there's almost no way that crunch stories are not coming out of this project it it seems impossible but we know that about uncharted 4 and schreier gave them a pass about it because of necessity Uh, okay, then, then, then let me ask you the next question. Since, since Trier's a journalist and he has to be neutral, uh, what is Crunch deserving of a pass at all? Ever? I think there's difference between Crunch and workaholism, because- and I think what's what went on at Naughty Dog is workaholism. Uh, 
for something that they were passionately in love with as opposed to slave masters whipping them. And that's why Schreier gave them a pass with Uncharted 4 with redoing the entire thing in his book. And I'm telling you, whatever comes out of the Naughty Dog, Schreier is not going to revisionist his own history and say, well, actually, remember the time I said they worked really hard on Uncharted 4 and it seemed like it wasn't going to happen and I didn't accuse them of anything, blah, blah, blah. He's not going to go back and revisit that. He's like, no, they just, they worked hard they, I, they had to redo the game and last of us Two, the same thing happened basically you know they had to I keep shooting you're keep misremembering shooting. what schreier said in the book because what schreier said in the book was they were under crunch because every single one of them had such a tight deadline to redo the game and they all wanted it to be perfect and so what they all did That's to each difference. other was make yeah. sure they all stayed in the office right i have no doubt so, so let me, let me again, let me re-ask you the question, which is, yeah. is crunch at all, no matter what the situation, uh, the right thing to do? Yes. Why? Because creating art is the most important thing you can do. And if you can make millions of people happy, provide work for hundreds or thousands of people, and but the, here's the big and that happened with Uncharted and is going to end up happening with The Last of Us because everyone loves it, including the people who work their asses off on it to love it. As opposed to the Anthem team, most of which weren't on the Anthem team the year before that start you know came out. You know, I mean, for whoever stayed or left Naughty Dog, everyone is all hands. Look, they did Uncharted Four and then they did Uncharted Four Point Five and Lost Legacy, which I think is actually a more fun game than Uncharted Four, which is award winning and another great. I mean, the five great Uncharted games. It's been all hands on deck for years now for The Last of Us for this beloved franchise. Like Life is Strange that has transcended because of all the social issues and the human issues and, and the performances and so forth um, you know, that have gone on has transcended the genre. Um, and put an unnecessary, insane amount of stress on them. And that's what the cyberpunk guy was saying between the lines, man. And Schreier kept trying to call him on it. And he, he was, he kept, you know, throwing it back at Schreier and making fun of him for being, uh, you know, for being a nudge about it all the time. But, you know, he didn't straight up deny that they pushed back cyberpunk in order to, uh, uh you know, allay some of those overwork issues. I'm, I'm just saying, it depends on what your de- definition of crunch is. And if you're working for a giant corporation where you're getting moved around between projects and you have no investment personally in them whatsoever and being forced to work a hundred hours a week versus feeling social pressure to work 60, 70 hours a week on something you do love. I do think there's a difference. Is there a moral or ethical difference? I don't know. I, uh, that's a huge discussion, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be Neil Druckmann telling everyone this is the most important thing ever. And so they have to work Hard. It's going to be more the underlying pressure of, of you know, like within the company wanting to make wanting to make it great. Um, but maybe the fact that they've pushed it this far means they weren't trying to overwork people after Uncharted Four. So I I, I don't know, man. I don't have the answers. And, and Schreier hasn't said it. And so until until Schreier uh, thus speaketh Schreier on this issue, don't you agree? Until we hear from Schreier or someone of his caliber on this, we just won't know. Right. That, that, that's why I didn't want to comment on the Rockstar. Thing I just know that. Online, Neil no Druckmann, has. Troy Baker, Neil Druckmann, Tro- uh, Neil Druckmann, sorry, Sony, Neil Druckmann, <laughs> let me start over. The, the people who are public at the heads of Sony, Neil Druckmann, head of Naughty Dog, Tr- 
but also the director and artistic creative director of Last of Us. Ashley Johnson, Troy Baker, and people who are very involved in that part of the industry and work with these people all the time, like Laura Bailey, Travis Willingham, uh, etc., are all very publicly supportive and pumping each other up on, on these things. It has a feeling of love. Everyone wants it to be good and happen, which is different than what happened on an anthem or, or on some of the projects. I'm not justifying it, but I do think there is, there, there, it, there is um, a difference. I think Schreier would tell you that too, but the problem is that Schreier is all about unionization now. And so, I told you I thought Shariah would be the head of the union, and he keeps pumping the union speeches. We'll see, man. I think they're going to beg him. I don't think he'll do it. He loves being a journalist. No, he, he, he won't do it. It's not his job. Um, it's, 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 to, to me, to me, it doesn't matter whether it is everybody in the office who is working collectively yeah. past 60 hours to get the thing done. If you are being work forced, whether it is coercively by your plea by, by your by your coworkers or by management past 60 hours doesn't matter whether you're getting paid overtime or not if that if you need to do that to continue working in the in the game industry and you're being forced to do that yep. that's crunch sorry that's what it is here's the problem doesn't matter. here's the problem doesn't matter here's the problem here's the problem Ethan. the problem is hours does not equal productivity at both directions as right. many people have pointed right. out, overworking lowers your productivity, right? So there's right. diminishing returns. But but when you take the top 30 nations in the world in terms of money, which is most of Europe, us, Canada, Japan, China, and a couple other countries, the most efficient workforces are like France and the Netherlands, where people work at a hard cap of, I'm not making this up, 35 hours a week and have at least a month, if not two, six to eight weeks vacation per year paid. And they've paternal leave as well as maternal. Leave. I mean, it's so socialized and you go, Oh, they're just a bunch of lazy assholes. Well, you know, whose economies are doing really well right now, the Netherlands and the Scandinavian countries who have and, extremely and- lenient work hours for their, the problem is man with artistic, the process there's going to be lean times. This is the problem with how corporations run. Corporations should recognize that the next six months are going to be kind of not a lot going on and quietly give people some extra days off and vacation so that when there is two years of like really hard work, when the shit hits the fan with the creative process and the creative cycle, you know, to balance that out. But I, I don't know how this works in Europe. And that's the other thing. Having hearing Project Red, studying Naughty Dog, you know, not, I mean, I mean, Naughty Dog is technically based in the U.S. It's all Europeans, though. Uh, you know, Horizons Company obviously, uh, you know, is 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 Netherlands based, which again is one of those progressive countries on the planet. Um, the Polish, it, seemingly from Project Red guy CEO Adam, what's his name? V- very progressive on the worker front and the labor front, and so that's also hard to compare. But in this country, there's people who just stare at their computers and are counting hours down, and that is a waste of everyone's money, time, and effort. That's a whole other issue. Yeah, hey. getting paid per. Get, let's put it this way: there's a lot of industries where you should get paid for output and not hours. Right? There's some where you have to, like, you're a salesperson or something. Yeah, you get paid for hours. Sure, you have to be there selling stuff, creative stuff. You should get paid based on your creative output, not on how many hours you put into it that you clock. And video games is right in that middle of the the, 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 the
like are all important. Um, I appreciate you asking me I, that I question. Just wanted, though, though. I, I just, I just, I just wanted to point out that. Yeah. To, like, like, yeah, yes. Every situation could be judged individually, but at the end of the day, the, it, it, as Jim Sterling puts it, and this is one of the points I agree with him on uh, strongly, is if it costs human yeah. mental health, livelihood, or family time, doesn't matter. It's past sixty hours, it's fucking crunch. Period. Like. And that's Sorry. why Nintendo Sorry. is you need, brilliant. You, you need you need you you are for, you need to be forced not to work. Period. Period. If you if you are if you are a basic contractor, if you're not ahead of anything, no. Nah, sorry, and and you like you were saying, that's why Nintendo put out, and we can talk about this at another podcast. They spend the money out of no. That's important. Nintendo to fix a problem spends money out of their executives' pockets instead of overworking their employees. And it's been this way literally since the 80s. Nintendo, long before crunch was a word, Nintendo was not overworking employees. Nintendo was giving employees very good overall... uh, you know, like a solidness in, in their jobs, benefits, you know, treating them. I mean, uh, honestly, this is this has been part of Nintendo's record going way back. And when Jim Sterling, who makes a, a habit of, you know, trying to get a million YouTube hits by taking something that you and I agree with and bashing someone and then taking it way too far for way too long, you know, and he knows he's doing it, you know, and that's Jim Sterling. Like, that's like Total Biscuit. The difference between Total Biscuit, rest in peace, and Jim Sterling is Total Biscuit didn't realize he was being a dick jim sterling knows he's being a dick to get hits um but we agree with the base issues but he does a whole love video about how the switch is his favorite system and it's be, it's even easier for it to be his favorite system because he loves nintendo's work ethic and how they treat their employees i'm, I'm not making this up he did an entire jimquisition about this you know that this is the case yeah yeah, I, mean, I mean, the guy who was run off the internet because he Nintendo, thought Breath of the Wild was okay has become the the number one crusader for the Switch. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's what's uh, about Destiny. Me, Do you remember remember when I said uh, that it made it easier for me to get behind Bungie and Destiny, knowing that they were going independent and and we're not going to have time on this podcast, but just as a comparative, that's what J- J- Jim was trying to say on his podcast was he would love the Switch and many of the games and the unit on its own already for what it represents and the pleasure that it gives him, but it makes it easier knowing Nintendo has always had great work practices and when it comes between having to shell out millions of dollars to fix a problem or overworking their employees, they always shell out the money and don't overwork their employees. Yeah. Um, let me just give a quick rapid fire on these things. I'm going to go, go, um, go. Like quick. Yep. I'm going to rapid fire. So all we, this other we, stuff. Just, we, just to tease the people, are, are we, are we going to do a switch postscript podcast at some point? Like, is there we'll enough? Do, we'll, do, we'll do switch Enix. Yeah. Okay. That's up to you. Cause Enix had stuff that, well, Enix had stuff to talk about. Yeah. Enix had two very big things to talk about. And one of them was not received well. And the other one's Final Fantasy VII, which I don't give two shits about. I actually, I, look, I like how it looks. I might try it. But, um, so, uh, Can I give you a random thought? Can I give you exclusives? Quick random thought. Random, random bizzle thought. Just one time. You know what thought I had today? While I was playing my, like, Just one time, huh? Millionth one time. hour of Ghost, uh, uh, Ghost Recon. I'm driving around with my three my three dudes, even though I'm playing a chick. 
I'm going, wow, this is the much more like fun, accessible, and addictive version of Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> I'm driving around, me and my three dudes, we're killing people, we're telling a story, we're world building, but without all the emo, hair, tight pants, anime, Final Fantasy bullshit. I said it, that's right, Ghost Recon Wildlands, a better version of Final Fantasy 15. You heard it here, people. Go ahead. Yes, he just hates anime. It's okay, guys. I love the Fire Emblem trailer. Spoiler alert. I guess he just hates anime. It's okay, guys. I love Fire Emblem. So they announced um, they announced Fantasy uh, Star Online Two is coming to the West. Yes. Finally, that was a legendary game when I was a kid. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. They so all the content they're they're done developing it over in Japan. So it's coming to the West. Can I let you know a little secret on, on Fantasy Star? Started over. So because Fantasy Star originally came out around the time in, in the West, Final Fantasy did, uh, and they both have fantasy, although Fantasy Star spelled with PH, obviously, that was before PH was cool. They just decided to go PH with Fantasy Star back then. It was partially because it was kind of a difficult, but also hard to get game at the time. It wasn't as widely published and available and, you know, with all the sequels as Final Fantasy. So Fantasy Star sort of became a legend, like Baldur's Gate kind of thing, but over many generations. I'm not saying it's not going to be good, but I do specifically remember as a kid being like, oh, Fantasy Star, I want to play it, but there's only one and nobody has it, (laughs) you know? So that's a different version of nostalgia, but that's one I'm excited for. So keep going. Let's see. We have uh, they announced another Tales game. Uh, Tales uh, games oh, are I have to very say, popular JRPGs. Sorry, really quickly, Ethan. The very first question Jason Schreier asked the CD Projekt Red guy. Do you know what it was? No clue. He says, "Is The Witcher three up to thirty frames per second? <laughs> <laughs> he said it to his face in person. Jason Schreier, the CEO of Project Red. His very first question is. I want to play The Witcher 3 on Switch. Do you have it up to 30 frames per second with a straight face? And the guy just laughed and he was like, yes, we have it at 30 frames per second. <laughs> Can't wait to play it in 540p. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. Um, they announced another Tales game. Tales is a very popular JRPG. Long-standing series. Good lore. Excited. Great. Um... They announced Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, which is when episode nine comes out. It's going to be the episode nine game, along with every previous Lego Star Wars title, all bottled into one game. Cool. Great. I get all those games. They're bullshit nostalgia. I'll be the first one to say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They're just dumb. They're fun, though. Um, Especially, especially uh, the prequels, because those are somehow better stories than the prequels. Well, Partially, that's revision because the Clone Wars are amazing. Uh, the prequels should have been the Clone Wars. If they had made Ahsoka Tano, you know, and that version of the Clone Wars into the prequels, people would have loved it. There's also been a revisionism of the prequels. What's hilarious, though, man, is this supposedly the Skywalker saga. If people hate the final movie, then this whole marketing plan, even worse than the prequels being involved, goes to shit. If people hate Episode Nine, here's the problem. Star Wars, here it is. Here's the Star Wars in a little little thing, Ethan. 
no one's gonna be happy because half the world wants ray to murder kylo ren violently and half the world wants them to like get romantic somehow and her convert him to to the good side and and redeem him the way anakin was never redeemed i'm not making this up people are, are going to be unhappy with that film no matter That's what not how the force works that's not how the force works. <laughs> well, just use the force, Solo. That's not how the force works. That's not how the force works, guys. Get over it. Um, I think I, I've been giving Episode Nine an A for the last nine months, and I have no. I don't care. They showed if off. They kiss or not? Did you? They showed off uh, the Dragon Ball. They showed the first trailer for the Dragon Ball Z RPG. Also, FYI, not excited about the awesome. Avengers game. Oh yeah, I told you the What's well, Good Game girls started with Dragon Ball. They were super yeah, pumped know. about Dragon Ball. I know it looks awesome. I cannot wait to try to play this game. It's gonna be incredible. Well, and one of the thing I think um, it was the main, uh, the host, and the most famous of them. Who's even followed by Obama? I'm not making this up. Andrea Renee. She works for PAX. She's a big fucking deal. The other two are awesome. And have a big following. But Andrea Renee is the main one. The red, the red, the dyed red hair one. Um, she said she likes how strict Dragon Ball Z is with their lore. Um, and when they re-envision it, they are specifically saying this is not going to be an open world because we can't make Dragon Ball Z work in that environment. And she liked that about it. And that's what I'm always praising is sometimes being like, let's not do an open world. Let's tell a great story with a great property. And it looks like that's what Dragon Ball is doing. They showed off a uh, a really cool indie called Twelve Minutes, and it's kind of like a um, a Groundhog Day thing. Uh, and so the, the in the trailer uh, yeah. they show it's the black chick uh, and the black guy going at each other. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, I forget. But it's it's basically a couple arguing, and the man says, um, they, they, basically the man finishes the woman's sentence, and he's like. I know what's about to happen. I need you to tell me this exact thing right now, so I can solve the mystery. Because in a few seconds, a cop's going to knock on the door, right? And, and like you're going to get arrested. She wants the world to and burn, then, and he's trying to fix it or something, which is awesome. Yeah, so, so, something like that. It, yeah. it, it's called Twelve Minutes, and it all happens in this twelve minute period. So it looks super cool. There's another game like it that's also coming out, but that's for a different. That's for a different it's time. basically if like different. in the Matrix sequels, if like Trinity turned out to be Smith. You know, yeah. like that yeah. it, it, the cycle of Neos. Yeah, I love that concept. I thought I the trailer love, looked spectacular. I would love to play like this type of game on like the Switch Absolutely. or something. I think it is coming to the Switch. Absolutely. Um, now, That's what they should the do with Bayonetta, by the way. Yeah. The two surprises that are coming out. There's Bayonetta is on the Switch. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying like story wise, just go like super like time dimensional weirdness. Maybe they do already do that. That's platinum. I don't. I don't fuck with platinum. I don't tell platinum what to do. They just do shit. Um, Did you ever play through so, uh, near? I started it. Yeah, me too. I it. Yeah. Okay. I started it. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, two big surprises. Yes. I am excited for both of these games. Give it to me. Do not laugh when I say this. Why would I? Laugh? They announced a game called Minecraft Dungeons. Okay. I'll never it laugh at Minecraft. Game. It's too successful. It's a top-down version of Minecraft in a Diablo-esque fashion. So you're basically playing Minecraft Diablo. I am extremely excited for this, and I do not know why. Do you feel like sometimes people don't acknowledge 
the influence of Doom on Minecraft, like pixels exploding. Like that's why the Diablo thing makes so much sense when you say that to me. Like it clearly, it's not just like Lego the Builder video game. They're influenced by all these old classic games. That that sounds great. I would play that. I think Notch was a genius, too ahead of his time, made a thing, sold it for a billion dollars, then went crazy. I think that's what happened. But but in Masters of Doom, they specifically talk about the reason they wanted the bloody explosion of the monsters to be so bloody, other than just entertaining themselves, was the challenge of making that happen with pixels at the time, right? Dynamic Maybe, lighting, blood fl- flying. Yeah, no, you read the book. I mean, they said that. They were like, how many different ways can we have the lighting when the head explodes this way or the body? Like, how many ways, you know, like, you know, like all the Mortal Kombat, you know, f- f- no, finales, I'm, whatever. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you there. I'm yeah, with yeah. you there. Yeah. I have no question about the book. But I, 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 actually, I've actually never, like, read into Notch's design philosophy or any of his interviews for when he was designing Minecraft. So I have no idea. No idea. What's about modding? And modding comes from Doom. I mean, level building for Doom and Quake, that's where that got started. I mean, it's all all connected. It's, yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Certainly. And that's where level building started. Um, I mean, no one even thought about, like, consumer level based level building. The other surprise announcements, which I did not see this coming at all. It is an exclusive title. It's part of Xbox Game Pass. It is called Bleeding Edge. Hmm. It is a it is a, a is a 4v4 arena co-op shooter hmm. that is basically plays like Devil May Cry and Overwatch. Okay. It 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 sounds incredibly fucking good. I'm ex- very excited because, it, mark my words, this game right here, Bleeding Edge, if there is a game that is going to be the unsuccessful or the, the, the unexpected newcomer to take everything, it is going to be this game. I guarantee it. If, if there's a game on this list that, on the Xbox conference that was unexpected to do anything, it is this one. Also has sort of a Borderlandsy thing going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This would, am, again. My only critique is what's great about games like Ori is that Ori you can literally sell to any age and any demographic. These games are a little too weird and too violent for me to let my nine year old play. You know, whereas Overwatch is I would be fine with my ten year old playing. Um, it does look cool though. Let me just round it out with uh, is it, so Microsoft announced. Yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was ahead. gonna ask you if if they're faking the sort of semi two D two and a half D aesthetic. No, it's a three D game. It's no, a straight three D. Okay, sure. but just what it's just either the, it's either first person or third. flat textures. Yeah, flat probably thirds. Yeah. Um, they talked about Project X Cloud, which is Microsoft streaming service. We don't have a ton of time to talk about Stadia and how that compares and da-da-da. The only thing I have to say is it comes out a month sooner than Stadia, and it's totally free. So Stadia's fucked. Uh, and Project Starlet is coming out. Uh, that is the code name for I mean, their new yeah. console. Yep. Um, it is basically just some run-of-the-mill specs. Is It's four times stronger processor than the last Xbox. Which begs is, the question of... Why? 
Sony. Why does Microsoft need Sony so publicly? Which is, which was the point, which I was reinforcing to you the whole time. And I stuck by it. And I will keep stuck by it is infrastructure. Getting back to Scarlet. Uh, just to drop some numbers, they said... Well, hold on. Uh, just to backpack mutually here really quickly. You and I, from the beginning, said specifically that the Microsoft Sony thing was a direct reaction to Stadia. Right. Yeah. And, and we just keep getting more information that's the case. We know much more from Microsoft's side, but... Anyways, go ahead. Uh, they basically said the new console will support up to 120 frames... That's a whole bunch of baloney. It'll do 1080, maybe 120 for some games. It'll, it'll. No one cares. Basically, it'll do what we knew all along. Both new consoles are going to do 4K, 60 frames. People care way more about 4K. Many, but not all titles. Um, they also dropped 8K because Sony did it, so they had to drop it as well. Guess what's never going to be in 60 frames per second? And when George Lucas tried it with the prequels, it didn't work. Or big films. Films are always going to be 24 frames per second. There's a reason movies are 24 frames per second. There's a reason. It's cinematic. When it moves too quickly, it's it looks too hyper-real, which works for certain games and certain environments. People care more about texture and color and scope and whatever, and probably VR, even though it's not my thing. Um, then I mean, 60 frames will already be way more than enough for the average consumer. 120, no one will even be thinking about it. Right. right. And, 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 and here's the other thing. The up to 120, that's just marketing. It, it will, yes, it will support up to 120 for some games. Oh, and by the way, by the way, Let's definitively, take- Division 2 on the PC on medium at 35 to 40 frames per second looks way better than the PlayStation. Way, 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 way better. I can't even tell you how much better my 20 minutes of Division 2 on the PC were than my 20 minutes on, on the PlayStation. So, um, Yeah, I mean, it, let's just take Call of Duty, for example. Yeah, The new Call of Duty will look fantastic in 4K 60 frames on the next Xbox and PlayStation, without a doubt, period. Like, like, uh, it, gaming in general benefits from higher frame rates. It just does. I have a counterexample. Does, as as a whole, as a whole, Doom, Doom, on my PlayStation, it's too smooth. It's too smooth. <laughs> the frame rates are through the roof. Doom should be jerky, herky jerky is craziness. I can't believe how smooth it is. It's too smooth. It takes me out of the experience. Honestly, it does. I, I'm sorry, that's 99% of gamers who experience higher frame rates will disagree with you. I'm specifically mentioning a, a narratively based, you know, uh, story based first person game as opposed to, you know, Destiny or even Call of Duty. Except I play Doom all of the time. I've played Doom twice through. I've played Doom through the hardest mode. It is so much better on a higher frame rate. Period. It just is. Sorry, I disagree with you. 
Well, it's, we know we got different definitions. Of, we have different definitions of better, and we have different definitions of what our history is playing first-person shooters and what we like. And I mean, it's not a right or wrong. We just have different preferences. I like my Call of Duty. You know, it's shaky cam. You know, hard to move around a little bit. To be honest with you, Destiny, I get it. You know, or more modern Call of Duty multiplayer games. You know, uh, Overwatch. You know, get as many frames as possible. You know, move it around. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but uh, Destiny is so beautiful and immersive, I don't notice it, even though I, I know it's there in the background. For me, it's just my experience. We have different experiences, even with the same game, which is great. We should be celebrating that. Yeah. I, it, to, to me, what frames do is um, it's, sort of like a, it's sort of like an anti-motion blur thing. You know how motion blur is actually the worst setting ever created? Yeah, except I turn off my modern TV's smoothing of frames to make it look more like a mo- like a film. That's not motion blur. No, no, I understand. I understand. I just say it, 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 you, you can screw up both ways. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. It, yeah, motion blur is ridiculous. Motion blur is ridiculous. Right. Yeah, right. But, but motion blur is ridiculous. For me, what frame rate does is it helps enhance when I turn off uh, motion blur where I get to see all of the environments in pretty crisp graphical settings without having to feel like the movement is holding me back. That's where I feel. And I, I, when you describe it for you, like I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, Again, I, just, I, just wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to describe why, why to me it is better and what? why. And absolutely. And the fact that I can get up to 45 frames or more on the PC with Division 2 specifically is exactly the reason I want to play it on that. Um, it, it's Yeah, I mean, it's not just that it looks better. It's that it, it does even have a better frame rate, you know, even with the, you know, the, the slightly older GPU or whatever. What I'm saying is... There are certain games, and again, you and I experience Destiny very differently. So it's, but I'm going to put Destiny in here because it's just one I play a lot. When I put in that in the Uncharted games, uh, Last of Us Remastered, Horizon, obviously, uh, God of War. It's not my favorite, but God of War falls in this category. It's like when they're when they're when they're. I, I guess Bloodborne. You could argue more than me because they decided to make it a Sony exclusive. When it's locked at 30 and it's designed to just be beautiful and smooth and non-janky, I mean, like I said, Destiny couldn't feel any smoother, and yet I know it's 30 frames, and I don't want it to be 60. Like, I don't want it to be smoother. It's silky smooth as is. It's almost like they designed the game differently for the PlayStation than they did for the PS, which I know is not the case with most of these cross-platform games, but there's something about the craftsmanship of Destiny, because I've seen you play on the PC, and I've seen other people play on the pc and it looks amazing but there's something about the craftsmanship of destiny as i keep saying the horizon in a handful of games can do where you know i love it at just beautiful 30 32 frames per second um on on the tv this is a really thing that you and i get into all the time it's just all about how you experience the game right you want it to look beautiful and be responsive Uh, and that's going to change for some people with some games and some it's going to be agreed upon right yeah. Yeah. But the Switch has struggled with it. The Switch struck I mean, that's what's amazing. The Switch is outselling everything in terms of yearly performance, but it struggles with FPS and it struggles with resolution. No one cares. Nobody gives a fuck. Because the name of the game is the game, Ethan. Yeah. And that is the name of the game. So 
Okay, we got to close this up. Any Nintendo, other Nintendo thoughts? We said Dragon Ball, Pokemon, everyone. Yay, woo, Pokemon, blah, blah, blah. Um, any, any happy probably, thoughts? Pro- probably, pro- probably better for uh, the deeper dive when we talk about Okay, Nintendo, well, then let's wrap up this uh, one as the official E3 podcast as to state of the of the video game industry. I, I have a complicated attitude in that I am as sickened as ever by both the management and public face of the executives of these giant companies, EA, Bethesda, whatever, as I was before and continue to be sickened by it and mostly sickened by how the employees are treated, but not surprised at all because of how corporate culture works in America. It will be interesting to see how things happen overseas. That being said, as I said, when you and I had our pre-discussion earlier today and we were talking about all the games coming out in the next 12 months, the end of the generation, man, this is feels, this is feeling like the end of the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, right? Where like, it was just like a storm of insane games. Yeah. I mean, the Witcher three, they, they, they almost didn't hold on to luckily they did, but they did release it for PC. Did they release Witcher three for Xbox 360? No. No, they were close. There's no way they, they gave him one on that console. They were close, yeah. No, 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 they were not. No, he said. No, he listened to the interview. He said in the interview because they released The Witcher, you know, a year early on PC on 2014 and 2015 on the other systems. But he said that they, they there was no way they were going to do PS3. If you listen to the interview with the Project Red guy, he said there was no way they were going to do PS3. But they were. They briefly considered trying to do a 360 version and decided against it, and that was a good idea. And then Trier said, "Well, why don't you wait till the next generation with Cyberpunk?" And then he was like, "Why are you such an ass?" Asshole, Schreier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. What's your big takeaway? And we'll sign off here. My big takeaway is that there's 21 games coming out in fucking September. That's ridiculous. 21 games. Yeah. Holy shit. Like. Any big and, one or and, not? And, and then, mm-hmm. guess, how many, guess how many games are coming out in October? 21 games in September. How many games are coming out in October? You want to take a guess? I I know for sure Ghost Recon is, but other than that, I don't know. Six. Yeah, but that's just a scheduling thing. How are you going to pack 21 games in September? Like, like, this is is not blaming anybody in particular, but it's just like, holy shit, how many games you got to pack into fucking September? Like, what the hell? I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. Um, I have to. I, I, I'm going to have to play Borderlands three Borderlands, for three days Zelda, and then turn around. Gears, Mech War. I mean, sorry, Mech Warrior is another game that demands a joystick. Man, the Mech Warrior games on PC back in the day were amazing with joystick. I cannot wait to play Damon X Machina. I will never be able to play it though. Why is that? Because it comes out on the same day as Borderlands three. Uh. <laughs> what's in there let's in there dude let's no let's this is a great final thought it which is there is not a greater because again i predicted the bethesda thing many years ago whatever you say because i grew up with bethesda being buggy and so it's been 30 years in the making this bugginess be biting in the ass but i don't know nearly as much about 
uh, Pitchford and the Borderlands thing, other than through the Birches, who mostly keep their mouths shut about these things, which is very smart. Um, they specifically talked about Tiny Tina, and people like sort of cheered, and they didn't mention that it wasn't going to be Tiny Tina, but it was going to be someone else being Tiny Tina. Um, uh, to be fair, she's eighteen now, so uh, right. Well, Ashley Birch was twenty three, playing a thirteen year old. So you yeah, I mean you might never? Um, there, yeah, that makes sense. I'm saying there, there, there's not a great. There's, uh, let's put it this way. Whatever happens with Neil Druckmann, Naughty Dog, Last of Us, there's much love and devotion to that project within that company with everybody involved, whatever comes out of it. I'm not sure what goes on under Randy Pitchford, honestly. I mean, I know Jim Sterling handpicks certain interviews and certain quotes, but they are so blatantly either just clear lies or total psychosis or both that it's scary. And the fact that he does magic and talks about like young chick porn and stuff. I mean, he is, he's a sketchy dude that I'm, I'm not wishing anything evil on him, but he's the kind of guy I'm surprised hasn't gotten me to yet at this point. I I think it's, I don't know where the young chick porn things coming from, but okay. I don't know where Explain that's how Borderlands 3 happens. Never. Everyone's so excited about it, but no one's talking about the fact that Randy Pitchford is a horrible executive that's made horrible decisions, treated people horribly, uh, and almost run the company to the ground. And it's only because of the devotional love of Borderlands 2 that he doesn't seem to understand that he's even here with a job and a game in the first place. And my fear is they're going to try to monetize it to absolute shite, and people will ultimately be upset. Um, and I wish nothing well, I evil on it. Well, I won't answer your loaded question, but... That wasn't a loaded question. I it will. was a non-loaded prediction that I feel strongly about. Okay, so for one, uh, the only reason Gearbox still makes games, yes, is for Borderlands and Duke Nukem. But besides that, um, 2K is their publisher, so that's how they still make video games, besides all of that. And then... Who you've uh, put as evil or worse as EA in some of these companies in past discussions. Yes, yes and, they still, and they still let Gearbox do what they do because Gearbox is technically not owned by them. 2K just publishes the game. There's a difference. Uh, 2K, yes, they monopolize the shit out of the games they own, but they don't own Gearbox, so they can't monopolize the I just want to point out the only character they specifically named and wanted to talk about was Tiny Tina, which was the creation of Anthony Birch and voiced by Ashley Birch and was one of the most brilliant DLC stories of all time. You know that I'm right about this because you've played it. I've watched it. It's absolutely spectacular. I'm not saying they don't have talent, but with Randy Pitchford at the top and microtransactions, I don't know, man. I don't know. You don't even know what you're talking about with the microtransactions thing, so okay. please. Okay. All right. Okay. You don't even know what you're talking about when you say that with with Borderlands. So please don't 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 throw headlines at me because I know that stuff. All right. Do you the, work? The, the microtransactions thing. No, because what what Brady Pitchford said was they're not going to do microtransactions besides the things we've already done, and the things they've already done with Borderlands have been three dollar skins. Okay, okay, that's it. They're not doing they're not doing the pay to win bullshit. That's what Mike, that's what Brady Pitchford was trying to say with his thing. His quote was taken out of context, and it was put as a headline. I'm not defending Brady Pitchford. I mean, you I'm are. Defending but that's that, fine. I'm defend- no, I'm not. 
I'm defending the game. Now. Now. I, I, I was trying to go somewhere before you went on the Ash Birds thing. I forget where I was going. Because uh, it's an unassailable piece of historical evidence. Borderlands 2 was the best of the series. It was Anthony Birch. She was the greatest creation to come out of that. That was him and his sister. They're a brilliant dynamic duo. They're gone. I'm not saying they can't replicate it. I'm just saying that's history. Okay. That has anything to do with what I'm talking about right now? Right. It doesn't. That's all. That's that, 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 that's where I'm trying to see. See, see, Come on, so you're I just your ass for two so and a half hours. Just, I have to take one shot at you in two and a half hours. Come on. Come on. I've been kissing your ass for two and a half hours. Admitting my mistakes, to, admitting she, my wrongdoing. I don't agree on this one my, issue. That's it. Here's, here's my overall point. Yeah. Here's my overall September point. September is insane, by the you're, way. This list is like, oh my gosh. Yes. 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 That's what I'm trying to say with that. <laughs> yeah. And it um, ends with FIFA 20 on the 27th, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the Switch. And uh, Dragon Quest 11. Dude, if and I had Dragon FIFA 20 on the Switch, I would play like five hours a day. I, I'm, I'm, um, here's my point with the rainy thing. Mm hmm. We Hopefully are, he's not we, running we the are, company. Put- That's the argument, is he's not actually running it. It's his, but he's not running it. There's, there, there's that, and yeah. here's the other thing. Yeah. Here's the other thing. He's too dumb. We are, we, we are, condemning, we are condemning a man to be guilty before... before uh, we're, uh, it, we're condemning a man uh, guilty before he's been proven guilty. That, that's, my, that's my other bigger point. It, 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 to, to, to me, right, the, the thing with Todd Howard, the thing with some of these execs, right... And I, I talked to you about some of this like a couple days ago. If if the exec is out there and is the public face of these studios, and they release a good game, they look great. If they release a shit game and the exec makes a bunch of hype lies, then he looks like a shit bag, or he or she looks like a shit bag. So, like like to to me to to me, it feels like we're all being loyal and over and overstepping our bounds on something that doesn't matter. If, if the exec, if Randy Pitchford really is a pedophile and did have porn on that flash drive, that's that whole not, bullshit story, that's, right? I'm not accusing yes, him of being a pedophile obviously, for the record. Ob- yeah. Obviously he's a shit bag, right? Like, obviously that's, that doesn't need to be said. Yeah. It's the but, sloppiness of, of, of the whole thing. It's not right. him being an actual pedophile. I'm not saying that, guys. I don't actually believe that. There, 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 are, there are many aspects of Randy Pitchford that I actually admire because he is one of the few uh, CEOs who actually like just talks on Twitter. Like, no bullshit PR. He just talks. Um, like, the whole G2A thing. Like, like he, just, he was just open. It was like, I don't know. Screw it. We're ending our contract. Like... Uh, no, no so, after he made total biscuit spend like a month doing it pro bono to prove him wrong because total biscuit was leading a, a, a literal all of his fans to never buy any gearbox or related property again until they ended the g2a thing and he spat in total biscuits face and says we'll prove it and total biscuit proved it and then that's when they left with it i'm sorry that's so sad okay. and pathetic but okay. but guys, but let's look, listeners, just search G2A space gearbox on Google and you'll get some stories from 2017 and you can judge for yourself. 
about how companies run. But again, Ethan, I, I, I'm actually with the, th- the third theory I think that we have here, which is he's the face of the company. He started the company. But if this is going to be a great product and a great franchise going forward, then hopefully there are people under him who kind of massage him, uh, not physically, but sort of metaphorically massage his ego, but are actually smarter and making the better decisions. Because honestly, dude, I I mean, even with Apple, again, the biggest takeaway when you read the Jobs book was that there were certain things that Steve Jobs did not understand about computing. And the only way that Apple succeeded despite him trying to work against the physics of computing was when like people would, would just, you know, they would have to release a bad product and then he would blame it on everyone else, but then they would fix it. Um, he wanted everything to be beautiful. Sometimes these charismatic, brilliant heads, creative people who start the companies aren't the ones running the day to day. And that's what we should want. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, and and and, and right. I'm pulling. I'm pulling right. for the gearbox team, man. I just don't like him. Right. Hey, what? What? The, the the other thing is that I did, and and the, the comment that I really just fucking irks me more than anything is, I don't want to buy this game because there's this one asshole at the top. Yeah. That's not fair to everybody right. else. Well, it's like, don't watch a Kevin Spacey movie, movie ever oh. again. Even if he's in a cameo, you can't watch a Kevin right. Spacey movie. I don't agree with exactly. that theory whatsoever. Yeah. No, I agree exactly. with Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, that to me is just bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm that's sorry. what I'm saying. That's, that's why I'm hoping he is CEO in name only and he's getting a big check, but there are smarter more conscious people running the company for everybody, including him. The best possible thing that could happen to Randy Pitchford is that he's not running his own company, even though he thinks he is. Yeah. Well, he started, he, he, they've been founding their gearbox has been founding their own publishing company. So we'll see where that goes. Okay. So by the way, dude, it's rounding back to the RPG. You are going to be getting every Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and Planescape game on the Nintendo Switch in September as well. All classic RPGs from the late 90s, early 2000s, which are going to play and look spectacular on the Switch device. That sounds great. I'm going to buy Catan instead. (laughs) Nino Kuni, Remastered, Wrath of the White Witch, Gears 5, Borderlands 3, Damon X Machina, Pro Evolution Soccer, which, by the way, sells almost as many copies as FIFA. Um, Monster Hunter World Iceborne, which they're claiming has like 80% of the amount of content. I don't really believe that based on Horizon, but it, it'll probably still be a good investment. Spyro, wait, 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 wait. Based on Horizon, how, how are you basing that on Horizon? No, just the price. Like They, they priced... Uh, um, they priced... Um, frozen wilds a little too expensively um it was a solid 15 to 20 hours extra i'm not sure what it's what does that have to do with horizon monster hunter world uh, expansion right what does horizon how is horizon i'm just comparing i'm comparing a a a a big loved open world game with a big expansion uh, being promised to be, you know, almost as big as the original. I, I, oh, that's because Monster is a live service. So it's, it's different. It doesn't matter. I, I'm saying, you know, it's, they, they I believe should, them in that regard. Sure, fine. It, this goes back to our pricing argument. I don't think any DLC should ever cost forty dollars, no matter what. We'll we'll see what it actually comes out to. Um, and then Code Vein, Dragon Quests, you know, Eleven S. God, Japanese. Th- there must be some understanding within Japanese culture, <clears throat> like when it comes to. Um, uh, uh, um, 
uh, fucking uh, the numbering system of their RPGs, right? I mean, so X2, X2 slash 3, uh, 2.85931, negative LRTX. I mean, even the manga titles have crazy names. This title must be outdated because Drag- it basically stands for Dragon Quest XI Switch, Echoes of an Elusive Age, Definitive Edition. So it, 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 what it'll be is it'll it, it'll be Dragon Quest Eleven, uh, Echoes of an Elusive Age. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll say that in the box, and it'll probably say Definitive Edition somewhere smaller away from the main title. It is a very interesting thing, though, man. That there's a you know good amount in July, more in August, ton in September, and then October, November, December combined is September in terms of number of releases. Yep. What do you think that means? Because it used to be like, you know, in the old pre-internet days, like you would want to release your big product right before Christmas. So people didn't have time to think twice about it. Now you're releasing it months before. Is that to give it the, the old uh, patch, uh, two to three month patch uh, cushion there? I think it's just companies are realizing that they could release games in summer and people buy them now because it mm-hmm. used to be you released a game in the summer. Nobody bought it because everyone was outside. Well, look, we're going to find out which games don't need patching because these are the only major titles coming out from October 1st until Christmas. Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Modern Warfare, Outer Worlds, Death Stranding, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Shenmue 3, and Doom Eternal. That is it, my friend, is that I can see. That's it. That's been announced. There's still 12 games on the Nintendo Switch Switch that have yet to be announced for this year. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, this is very productive. Um, and uh, we'll have to revisit the Switch. We'll have to revisit Cyberpunk a little bit more, but we got plenty of time for that. That's not coming out for like a year almost. Um, it- uh- and there are a ton of unscheduled releases, so we'll have to see. Like, ooh, is Warcraft three coming out? You know, like Luigi's Mansion. Like, what? Like, there's like a million here. It could go. Yeah. It could go anyway. So, thank you so much, man. Uh, it was an interesting year, as always. Uh, I have listened back to our E three podcasts before. This was a very different year. Um, maybe it's just because of the uncertainty of of where the whole you know console versus PC thing is going in the future. Um. And because Xbox still sucked dick back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and because in the same day, I sat at my computer going, oh my god, Division 2 plays amazing on this, but I'm really uncomfortable. And then playing on my couch and being like, oh my god, this plays terribly, but I'm really comfortable on my couch. <laughs> I'm telling you, you get a really long HDMI cord. Yeah, I know. I know. I like the separation. I like the separation. So, okay, man. So, you've literally been playing anything other than Destiny, or you've just been raiding your face off to get your your bomber jacket? I got my bomber jacket, and then I carried more people through the raid and Mm -hmm. taught them how to do it. But I only explained how to do the raid in dank speed the whole time. It was quite funny. So my challenge to you is not only to pick up a girl wearing, in spite of wearing the jacket, but to pick up a girl because of wearing the jacket that would be the most baller thing you could possibly do no problem unless you know what happens <laughs> because that's the perfect girl right it's like that's yeah. a destiny team jacket 
<laughs> so you think now, and then you're like, no, universe is it's colliding. Because, <laughs> it's because I pauses to flip the hair in the wind. Anime hair. Did the raid in the first week. Yeah, yeah. Your silvery, uh, uh, you know, impossibly straight and shiny anime hair. <laughs> I thought about silver hair, actually. Yeah, of course you did. They all have silver hair. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for being on, man. This is great. This is great. Um, yeah, I, we're never going to get as much as we want, but this is this is the place to cut it. Um, tease any just general topics. Um from now, I mean, obviously we've got a lot of releases coming up. Other than Switch, are there any like major topics to tease that you want to talk about in the next few months? Uh, old school, new school, big picture, little picture. Yeah, how much is fucking Marvel gonna suck? <sighs> I'm so ready for a Marvel vacation on all levels. Literally, I'm Avengers. Great, I'm. <laughs> Give me my Star Wars. Give me my fantasy. Give me my video games. I don't need more Marvel. I'm done. It wasn't the character designs. It wasn't the new voice actors. It wasn't the style of the game. It wasn't any of those things. It was the fact that they sh- didn't show us fucking gameplay. And then and then they had the audacity to walk up on stage and say, hey, this is how monetization is going to work. So even though Andrea Renee is the most popular and famous and influential of the three What's Good Girl games, there's Steimer and and uh, and Brett. I love Steimer and Brett. Uh, Renee has always seemed a little uptight to me, but I like her. She's the third one. The very final topic, and this will be my final thought. They're doing great. Their top ten list, even when they're talking about Dragon Ball and Pokemon, it's adorable. It's funny, and they make you know dark jokes. It, you know <laughs> that's what she said type jokes. You know, like they're just those type of checks. They're awesome. They're hilarious. She ended on being like that Marvel game. You know, made me like the Black Widow character for the first time. I never really liked Scarlett Johansson's portrayal. I'm like, okay, I'm out. I am out. I am stopping this video prematurely. You have been cut off, Andrea Renee. I'm still listening to your podcasts. But to compare Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow to that piece of trash Avengers game is insulting. I'm sorry. I had to call her out on it because I respect her so much. She said, I had to share with you, man. There's no one else that could that could understand how offensive that is on so many levels. But you know what? When we get the rated R Black Widow movie, everyone will shut their fucking mouth. <laughs> it makes a billion dollars. What's a Black Widow? (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks, ETH. Thanks, Bizzlecast listeners. Uh, To paraphrase Will Wheaton, but with video games, play more games. And uh, we'll be back at you soon with more video game coverage, hopefully with Austin and more focused stuff. But E3 has been big since I have been a kid and is still big now. And it remains an event uh, for better or worse or both. Uh, So thank you, Ethan. Yeah. We out.